Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Sunday evening, the 9th of February, 2020. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. I promise you one thing tonight. You will have a host the whole show. Unlike other shows that are airing tonight that back off of some hosts, we will be hosting the entire thing. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville, at D3Sports.com. For anybody who not heard the change, I've been screwing up. I thought it was D3Hoops. It's not. It's D3Sports.com. So Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Got a couple of emails we'll check out already. Also got um, Facebook, where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can get a hold of us. Forgive me. Something on the screen doesn't look right. I'm trying to figure out what it is. That's how you can get a hold of us, and I hope you will uh, take advantage of it. We're going to be here uh, all night, as they say. So uh, we hope you'll uh, join us and chat with us and whatever you want to do. Um, lots to discuss uh, in Division Three because, once again, well, it, we're, we're at that point of the season where there's lots to discuss. Um, the biggest is the fact that regional rankings are coming out, but the other big news is after a quiet midweek, the weekend was once again chock-a-block of top 25 upsets. Uh, we kind of hinted at that on Thursday's show, talking about the fact that um, if you were expecting uh, a quiet weekend, uh, in the past we'd been told otherwise, that clearly there had been upsets when we'd had one other quiet weekend. And lo and behold, no surprise whatsoever, that's what we ran square into this weekend including another dandy of a game in the NESCAC women's side of things, where number three, Bowden, took on number nine, Amherst. And this time, Amherst comes away with a 20-point win, 79-59. I'm not... I, I'm sorry, 59-46. I was looking at the wrong score there. Amherst, um, I was looking at the Warburg score over Luther. Apologize. 59-46. Once again, Amherst shows that defensively they're going to be in every game as much as possible and that you're somehow going to have to find a way to offensively shock them, you know, shut them or cause their defense to be a non-factor. And Tufts showed against Bowden that they've got an offense that can certainly play well, and they showed against Amherst it can be slowed down. Bowden showed in the Tufts game that they've got an offense that can certainly be tough to handle, and Amherst showed they can shut it down. Um, when you only put up 46 points, that's saying something. And then it, it, what it, the amazing thing is for Amherst women, they don't have to worry about being the most insane offense in the land. And I keep thinking that one of these years that's going to fall apart. <laughs> and I thought maybe this was the year. Uh, Amherst obviously has got three losses. I thought, well, you know, we haven't seen that in a long time. Maybe this is the year that that defense just can't has to be complemented by some type of offense, whatever the case may be. Nope, not the case, at least so far. Yes, lost to Tufts. Who hasn't, right? Um, and they've lost other games, but when you can shut Bowden down to 46 points, it's tough. Now, granted, Bowden's playing the toughest part of their schedule now on the road primarily. Uh, that Bowden-Tufts game was Bowden's second-to-last home game. 
And, of course, now it looks like it, everything's going to run through Tufts this season. They got past Trinity 77-61 and, and Connecticut College 78-59. Um, and now we only have two undefeated teams left in Division Three women's basketball, Tufts and Hope. Hope got, had an easy week playing Adrian, the only game they played in 196-28. Uh, so Bowden at least recovered and won at Hamilton, 89-74. But a tough one there at Amherst, as we mentioned. Excuse me. The shock of the weekend, though, has got to be what happened to Bethel women. They lost to St. Mary's in what has got to be one of the biggest upsets in season that we have seen, maybe in period. Um, they lost 77-69. St. Mary's was what, two-win team entering the game? Double-checking that. Because I've forgotten, to be blunt. Uh, Bethel loses their first game of the season in that defeat. St. Mary's is, yeah, now 3-18 and and 3-13 and overall. This is a team that's lost to Oshkosh. The rest of the, obviously, the Mayak, Wartburg, Whitewater, Stevens Point. So, a little bit surprising, to say the least, um, that that, you know, that Bethel goes out and 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 losing, I don't think is is the most shocking thing because I think in the Mayak, especially for how tough the top of that conference is, if they had lost in the conference, I wouldn't have been all that shocked. If oh, I don't know, pick one. <laughs> if, if somebody had beaten them, I, I wouldn't have been all that you know blown away. Um, and anybody at the top of that conference, anybody, if it was. Augsburg, who's now a game back, if it was St. Thomas, who's two games back, or Gustavus Adolphus, who's three games back, even Hamlin. If they had, if any of them had beaten Bethel, I wouldn't have been surprised. But last, almost last place, St. Mary's beat them. Last place officially goes to McAllister, by the way. And it wasn't pretty from what I was told. I wasn't able to watch the game, but it wasn't pretty. Um, Hold on a second. I thought I had pulp. There we go. I published a poll. I'm not sure if it's on our Facebook page or not. I just wanted to have some fun. That's what I got distracted with there. So on the women's side, top five, two teams lost, Bowden and Bethel. And then between that and 12th, nobody lost. Whitewater, Transylvania, Whitman, Amherst, Wartburg, Loris, and Baldwin-Wallace all had good weekends. Chicago did not. Chicago had raised or risen to number 13, lost two games this weekend. Amory, 51-39. Okay, Emory receiving top 25 votes, back-to-back weekends against the same opponents. I get it. But then Chicago lost today against Rochester, and Rochester isn't the Rochester of old or or, or recent years that we're so used to Jim Scheibel's squad being unstoppable. They've actually not had a prototypical Rochester year. They got a big win against Chicago, 81-75, putting the uh, women's race in flux. Gettysburg lost to Haverford this weekend, 54-51. That is their second loss of the season. First in conference, now tied with Haverford in the conference race. That race is going to be fun to watch down to the end. Austin lost to Trinity, now twice this season. This last one, 87-79. Trinity was the 14th-ranked team in the country. Lacrosse lost to Oshkosh. They're now 15-6, and six, most likely out of the top 25. 
Albright at least got back on their winning way, 76-51, despite that loss earlier in the week to Stevenson. Receiving votes category, Catholic lost to Scranton. That's a, a, a split now the season between the Royals and the Cardinals. And that game was at Scranton, so both teams have won at home. I'm not sure what that means for the conference race, to be honest with you. East Texas Baptist lost to Texas Dallas. Emory lost to Wash U in women's basketball after beating Chicago, which we pointed out, and Montclair lost to Rowan. On the men's side, I knew it couldn't stay quiet. Emory lost to Chicago on Friday night, 84-76, and then were down by significant margins to Wash U in the first half. Started to claw back by halftime, then put on the Jets in the second half and steamrolled past Wash U, but Wash U fought back. And that game came down to the end. Wash U ends up uh, losing that game, 73-68. So they've now lost both games to Emory. Emory, (laughs) so on Friday, Wash U wins at Rochester. Emory loses to, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting this backwards. Yeah, loses to to Chicago. By the way, great win for Chicago. And Brandeis loses to Case Western. So Wash U takes a step out of that three-game or three-team logger jam at the top of UAA standings. I think I joked on the D3 boards for for now. And, well, this after today, we're back to the three-game loggerhead, three-team loggerhead at the top, UAA. So it's Emory, Wash U, and... Brandeis on top at number one, but remember, right now, the tiebreak goes in Emery's favor, I believe. I, I know it is, because they've beaten Brandeis, and they've beaten Washu twice. So the AQ would go to Emery right now. Uh, lacrosse, <laughs> rough week. Not only lost to Platteville, but also lost to Oshkosh. Um, I'm not sure... Where lacrosse stands now, they'll be 16-5. and It'll be interesting to see what voters do with them. But center, right behind them, also lost twice this weekend, 68-58 to Barry. And then today, today, they're playing Oglethorpe. And, well, it didn't go well for them at Oglethorpe either on the blacktop. Unbelievable loss, to say the least. That was the video. And we should credit um, Ron Gully for that on Twitter. He shot it from the far side. I went to go clip it myself, and all of a sudden the video wasn't available. So hats off to a big win, but Center now losing two, and I'll be blunt, Center's 20-4. and four. They're knocking on the door of being in the same spot they were last year and not making the NCAA tournament if they don't win the AQ. And I think at this point, center knows they just need to go out and win. Granted, first regional rankings, and we'll talk about those in a moment, coming out this week. Uh, Rest of the top 25 did well until Albion. Albion lost its first game in conference to Alma, believe it or not, 78-74. Alma has been the, uh, the, the stumbling block in the MIAA this season. 
And then Brandeis lost, as we mentioned, in case Western Reserve and at least got that win against Carnegie Mellon. Um, Whitman's 60-some-odd game winning streak. What was that winning streak? Hold on. I had it. Bear with me, folks. Apologize. There it is. 67 regular game, regular season winning streak in conference. Whitman's 67 straight regular season game winning streak came to an end this weekend thanks to Lewis and Clark, who nipped the Blues 90 to 83 at Lewis and Clark. 67 game in season rate. Uh, conference winning streak. Whitworth hadn't beaten them in that amount of time. Now, they've beaten them in conference tournament, but pretty impressive. York, by the way, got past, or got past Christopher Newport handing the captains their fifth loss, 101-97 in double overtime. That was at York. RPI beat Ithaca. I'm sorry, Ithaca beat RPI. Uh, that ended a 16-game winning streak, I think, by RPI. And I think for any of you RPI fans who are hoping... They might get some top 25 love where they were getting votes, 17 of them, but they were going to enter the top 25. I think that thought is now gone. Oshkosh, who we mentioned beat lacrosse this weekend. Remember, they had lost to Eau Claire the week, over the earlier part of the week, so crazy week in the WIAC once again. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Augustana. This is receiving votes category. Augustana went perfect on the weekend. Rochester, who was getting votes, is now 13-7, and seven, lost to Wash U and Chicago this weekend. Chicago had a great weekend. They beat, uh, well, as we mentioned earlier, they beat Emory 84-76, and then they beat Rochester 68-48. By the way, Letourneau lost to Texas-Dallas this weekend. The ASC race is crazy. Um, speaking of the ASC race, we will talk to Terry Butterfield coming up on the show. He'll be one of our men's guests. Our other men's guest will be um, from the Central Region. It'll be St. Norbert men's basketball coach Gary Gresh. He'll join us. On the women's side, we'll talk to Western New England. They are leading the CCC, oh, but barely, over University of New England. We'll talk to their head coach about them. That's all coming up. So in order, by the way, it'll be Western New England, followed by Texas Dallas, and then St. Norbert. Uh, Howard Herman, friend of the show, writer up there in uh, New England in the western part of Massachusetts, writes, says, last time Williams lost as many games as I have this year was the 06-07 season. Dave Paulson's team had 11 losses heading to the NESCAC tournament where they beat Tufts, Trinity, and Amherst in the tournament, winning the title in Amherst, then lost to Brockport in the NCAAs. I kind of expect that to happen. I believe on the on the NESCAC side, Tufts, I think, is... If, if we were to play this out, or has already kind of locked it in, is going to be the number one seed. I think they own the tiebreakers because they have beaten both. They, well, they've beaten, beaten the top dogs uh, in that conference. I want to double check. That was something I read earlier today. Uh, Tufts is 8 no Colby 7-2. Amherst 6-2. Um, no, we didn't even mention Colby picking up their second loss. They've lost two out of three. They lost to Amherst this week. I, I skipped right over that, and I apologize. They, uh, Colby beat Hamilton 78-74, but lost to Amherst 87-69. Colby's lost two of their last three now after starting undefeated. Tufts was that other loss. So Tufts has got a, a game-and-a-half lead, and they've got two to play. 
Colby sitting a game and a half back, has one to play in conference, two overall. It'll start with Bates in non-conference play, then they play Wesleyan, and then they finish at Southern Maine. And Amherst suddenly is two games back, despite their struggles this season. They've got two games to play, Trinity and Connecticut. So the NESCAC men certainly coming down, and the women's been fascinating, the men coming down to the end as well. Travis says, uh, Augie looked to be in dire straits a month ago. Coach G has shown why he's one of the best in recent weeks. Okay, I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon necessarily. I'm not saying they're not. I don't think anybody thought they were out. Let's let's put it that way. They're second in the conference now, half game back of North Central, certainly looking good having won five straight. Not going to knock that. But they've got North North Central and Carthage in their next two. Of course, North Central's leading the conference. Don't want to take it any way from North Park is their final game, but I'm just looking at the next two. Carthage has shown that they're still good, especially with Keon Baltimore. Gray Giamani always has a good coach team, and, and we've known that, and that's why we've always given him plenty of love. But I, I don't think they were in dire straits. I think everybody thought they were going to make the conference tournament. Travis, I don't, none of us really thought otherwise, to be honest. Um, just depending on where they were going to be in that in that tournament, as it were. Checking out our email real quick. I got an email regarding um, Johns Hopkins and Swarthmore. Um, it's a big game. This is an email. Uh, number one and versus number 10 currently. That is likely to change. Hopkins will probably move up the pole. I mean, ahead of them, Colby in nine lost once. Elmhurst in eight lost twice, both the Carthage and North Central. And Emory at six lost. So Hopkins could move up to maybe the eight hole, depending if anybody behind him, anybody feels deserved to move up higher. But more importantly, be a top 10 battle at Goldfarb Gymnasium in Baltimore. I got one email saying uh, Wednesday night, number 10 be number one. If Hopkins wins that game, then the two teams would be tied for first place in the Men's Centennial Conference at 14-1. and one. After that, if both teams each win their final three games, then that would finish the season with 17-1 and one conference records. If that happened, the host site is a conference tournament would be deadlocked and down to a coin flip. I believe that's true. I have not double-checked that, by the way. How likely is it for Johns Hopkins to defeat Swarthmore at home on Wednesday night? That's the first question. Swarthmore to win their final three, Dickinson at home, Haverford on the road, and McDaniel on the road, and Johns Hopkins win their final three, or Sinus on the road, FNM on the road, and Haverford at home? Well, let's start at the first one. I think it's very likely Hopkins can beat Swarthmore at home. I've been kind of keying on it, to be honest with you. I thought at the beginning of this season, at the beginning of the season, I said Johns Hopkins and, and Swarthmore would likely split the season. And if there was anywhere Hopkins was going to win, it was going to be at their place. Uh, Ryan Scott saw them earlier in the season and uh, saw that game earlier in the season, actually, at Swarthmore and felt the same way. So I would be shocked if, listen, I, the game's going to go either way. It's a pick em. But Hopkins winning at Swarthmore? More than more than likely. The other part of that was Swarthmore win their final three games. Well, here's the thing. If Swarthmore were to lose, I think the chances of winning the last three are almost at 100% because now they're ticked off. They take a loss. They've been, they've been struggling the last few weeks, so the last game at least 
certainly looked better this weekend. But if they get that loss against Hopkins, now they're going to fight for something. They're going to win out. So I think if Swarthmore loses to Hopkins, they win at Dickinson or win at home against Dickinson and Haverford on the road. And of course, nothing against McDaniel. McDaniel can't stop him. Johns Hopkins, in the meantime, should they beat Swarthmore at Ursinus? I think Ursinus gives them a hard time. I think they beat FM and I think they return home and beat Haverford. Um, I think I think there's a chance Hopkins could overlook themselves a little bit and take a loss to Ursinus coming off the win against Swarthmore. Um, but I still think it's better than 95% chance Hopkins sweeps through all three. So that's kind of my thinking on those. Got another email about the game. We'll joke about it a little bit later in the broadcast. And with that, we'll take a break. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or you can also, uh, D3Sports.com, sorry, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Don't forget about our fundraising efforts. We didn't raise any on the last show or since. I'm a little bit disappointed. We put out a number of links uh, where you can find information to click on to donate via PayPal. We hope you'll consider it. Our goal is to uh, hit $5,000 by week from tonight, and we're not even at halfway our goal. So I hope some of you will consider helping us. Coming up next, we'll talk women's basketball with Western New England, followed by men's basketball down in the ASC with Texas Dallas and Coach Butterfield winning his 500th, by the way, recently. And then we'll talk central basketball, and we'll head out to the Midwest Conference and St. Norbert, who's actually playing in their final season in said conference. By the way, coming up, uh, Gordon... Man will join us for a top 25 double take as we'll look at the women's top 25, and I'll certainly talk about the men's as well. Um, Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott not on air tonight. No truth to the rumors, apparently, that they wanted to watch the Oscars instead. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Western New England women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops. We'll back with more after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can always email us, uh, D3Sports, or Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Jump in the gun a little bit there. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. And you can always uh, join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show. Figured out the YouTube problem, and it shouldn't be a problem is the problem. We're getting to the bottom of it, best we can. Maybe we'll be simulcasting on YouTube sooner than later. All right, so let's talk, uh, of course, on uh, Sundays, we should point out, we talk about primarily the New England, Atlantic, South, and Central regions. In New England, we're back on the rotation, as it were, to talk women's basketball. And if you look at the CCC race, the Commonwealth Coast Conference race, you might be surprised that University of New England is not the top team, as we've grown accustomed. It's Western New England. They've got a half-game lead, and if you add in the fact that they've beaten, um, they've beaten University of New England themselves, they've actually got a full-game lead on the conference race. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Nicole Chazar. Coach, I was going to blow it. I knew it was a chance of that. It's okay. Chazar. There we go. See? Yeah. Had to hesitate a second and think about it. Um, coach Chazar. There we go. Uh, joining us. And Coach First and foremost, we should be I, we shouldn't be overly surprised that you're competitive. You guys have been building towards this. You had a pretty solid team last year as well. Um, I guess it's sometimes we're just so kind of used to New England and maybe what they always do every year to see you guys on top kind of jumps out at me. 
Yeah, you know, last year um, it was an exciting year for our program, you know, with our first conference title and NCAA appearance. Um, you know, and, and University of New England has, has certainly um, over the years been completely competitive and 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 kind of led our conference. So um, for us, you know, it, we're extremely focused and we're excited in the place we are right now, and and we're very excited for the home stretch. Yeah, certainly the home stretch and home, hopefully being exactly where you'll be. Yeah, we'll remind everybody, last year you guys uh, ended up winning the championship over Endicott. You ended up defeating University of New England in the previous round. And then, of course, Tufts, thank you for coming to the NCAA tournament, as they did with a lot of teams. Um, that's certainly nothing against you guys. But you, you are, again, off to a good start. You have four losses on the season. Second loss was to Springfield. The second game, I should say, was to Springfield. Lost to Endicott, interesting enough. WPI tripped you up in non-conference. And you yeah. got Roger Williams. I had mentioned earlier that you guys had beaten University of England. I misspoke. They actually tripped you guys up. But you've got a chance at payback coming, and you've got a lead in the conference. So there's there's a lot going in your favor despite that previous mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah, no, we uh, actually we beat them no, you at did. the University of yeah, I can't read. New England this year. No, no worries. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think the games that uh, that we've lost, they've, um, you know, I think they've helped prepare us. Uh, we've certainly learned from from all of them. I think uh, all of them were very strong opponents, you know, two being non-conference in the new Mac and then two obviously being in conference. Uh, so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's good to keep yourself very grounded. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we have university of new England uh, this Saturday, which is uh, also senior day and we're home, uh, which right now we're undefeated at home. So uh, that's a positive in our direction. Yeah. I think that's the other thing that jumped out is you've got that game at home. And so not only can you lock up, the home court, as it were, with continued success and wins, but you're able to lock out New England all in doing so at home. I mean, there's everything going for you guys in this. Now, granted, Nichols is first, um, and yeah, you're going to have to get past Nichols in the meantime. But how important would it be to have this tournament go through Springfield, Mass? I, you know, my team, uh, they've had a, a very solid season, um, but it's certainly being at home, uh, you know, your home crowd, your home gym, you're waking up in your bed in the morning, you don't have to get on a bus. I think the advantage, uh, for any team, uh, is, 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 is a great experience, first of all, but, uh, you know, it's certainly an advantage. Um, also, you know how the rims bounce. You, you understand where the dead <laughs> spots are in the floor. All kinds Absolutely. of other fun little things. Uh, tell me a little bit about the team, though, from the get-go. I, at this point, November 9th probably feels like an eon ago, and thus <laughs> the loss to Springfield also feels that long ago. Um, but you've had, you've had some other significant wins. Went over Mass uh, Dartmouth along the way. Another team in New England has been pretty good. You beat Trinity, Connecticut. How's the season gone in totality? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the second game of the year, and it's true, November 9th seems forever ago. And, and obviously Springfield's a rival, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a big game for us. Um, and, and I think we took a lot from that. But, uh, I think, you know, we've played, you know, a pretty, uh, a pretty strong non-conference schedule, and, and I'm, I'm very happy the way the team responded. You know, I, I think so far the, the season has gone well. Um, we're just trying to stay very grounded and uh, just trying to focus on the next game instead of jumping ahead to games um, beyond that. Like, as you said, we're focused on nickels, you know, yeah. before we even get to Saturday versus, versus the University of New England. But, yeah, we're, we're very excited um, with how we competed in our non-conference schedule. 
Not surprising. This is a team that's senior-laden. You've got five seniors on it. Uh, if you start to look at the stat sheet, not surprisingly, it's seniors who are leading the way in three. Emily Farrell, Courtney Carlson, Megan uh, Orban, all of them in double figures, I should point out, before uh, you get to Lauren Chadwick at, at, uh, as a junior who's got about half as many points as Orban. What is it about this senior class that, that's done so well for you guys at New England? Uh, yeah, I mean, all all five of them, you know, you talked about Alice Farrell, Meg Orban, Courtney Carlson, you have Alyssa Stefanelli and Sydney Fisher. You know, they're just extremely invested in the program. Um, you know, and, and being in a system, knowing it, you know, the offensive system, the defensive system, um, and playing together, uh, there's just so much continuity. Uh, and, and I think that's our strength, you know, uh, having, having those fives, um, the, the game preparation, the game planning, um, it, it really helped us move quicker during the practices in the preseason, and, and it's also made it easier to make adjustments as the season's gone on um, to different parts of our defense and our offense. So certainly has, uh, has been um, our, our strength. I know it's not just a senior show, but this group obviously has played well, and, and I'm sure for them they want to make sure that it goes out on a high note. Is a high note, Winning the conference and getting the NCAA tournament, I assume, or is it better than that? Is it also doing well in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think after last season, uh, you know, it was a great season because we won the the conference, obviously. But there was a stretch there where we lost five out of six. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it also hurts you for, you know, where you you sit in the NCAA tournament. So I think their focus is we, we want that conference title, but we want to do and, and, and better in the NCAA tournament. You know, we want that to get past that first round. And, and they're very focused. The entire team is extremely focused on that. I'm sure they would love to not face off against Tufts. I think everybody <laughs> would love to yeah. not face off against Tufts and a few others up there in New England uh, as well. Tell me about the rest of this, this team, though. You, you, it's not just the seniors. You've got a, a good number of freshmen. You've got a handful of sophomores and a handful of juniors as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about Lauren uh, Chadwick, uh, you know, got herself into a starting role last year and then has continued this season. You know, and it seems as the season goes on, she just gets stronger um, month by month, like 5.1, 6.5, and, you know, then 7.1. And now in the last three games, she's at 8.7. Um, so that's, that's extremely helpful for us. And then, you know, we have Julia Quinn coming off the bench. Um, who's an extremely good shooter, and then um, Emily Serka, who is a post player who has some really good moves and is a totally different player than Courtney Carlson. And then we have a lot of significant players on the bench that at any moment, you know, I think we put them in and then they can do some really good things in the game. When you look at what you got ahead, obviously Nichols is first, uh, and then you got New England and then Wentworth. Last time you faced off against Nichols, middle of Jan- January, you beat them by 28. Is mm-hmm. that the type of team to expect? Are, are you are you expecting a tougher challenge? And, and is some of the challenge making sure the team's not looking ahead to the New England game? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think any conference game you play is a grind, especially the second time you play them. Uh, you know, I mean, we just, we just played Curry on Saturday and, it was a grind, and and I, I don't think you look beyond any team. I expect that game on, on Tuesday to be a solid game. Uh, I think we have to uh, stick to our game plan. I think we have to be prepared. And uh, I my whole focus is to keep them focused one day at a time, starting with Tuesday. And, and after our game on Saturday, I think that they are um, completely focused on Tuesday. 
uh, one hopes, as they say, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I do date back a couple games, though. You had the Roger Williams game. They tripped you up 59-53. Uh, not a game that, if anybody's kind of looking at the standings, would kind of expect. I know they're third, don't get me wrong, but I think yeah. I think we got used to seeing you guys playing so well. What happened in that one? Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I think the top four teams in our conference um, – are exceptional. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about University of New England, but I think Endicott and Roger Williams, um, are they're like as competitive uh, as any of us. So I, I honestly think in this conference, uh, I obviously, you know, hope that and, and, and think that we will be the team, but um, the Roger Williams, Endicott, uh, UNE, on any day, like I said, the conference is so, is so strong um, in that, in those top four spots that, uh, you know that that day wasn't our game, and Roger Williams was uh, was it was on, and they're gritty and they're big, and and Kelly's a great coach, and um, you know I, I just think uh, I think you never know, and and I think that the next time playoffs happen, and, and when it does, it's uh, it's going to be extremely competitive. What is it about University of New England the last few years that's made them so tough? And it, and you, and not to try and get ahead of it, but do you think maybe you guys have have helped crack that nut, as it were? I think that they have a game plan. Um, they're very prepared. They run their offense to a T. Anthony's great coach. Uh, I don't know if we've, we've cracked any nut, um, but I think uh, my players, uh, you know about them, and, and we've obviously seen them every year. We seem to meet them either in the semis or the, the championship or, uh, you know, and we usually have to go to them. So I think for us <laughs> our focus is to not have to go there. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I think they're well coached, and I think they they know their system, and and they they listen and they focus, and they have a great game plan. Last season, when you beat them in the tournament, it was sixty seven fifty nine. This year, it was fifty six forty seven. I noticed just uh, um, tonight that they lost to to Endicott this uh, this weekend, eighty four sixty nine. Is this a team you want to go up against and be high scoring with? And, and get your offense clicking along, or would you rather have it maybe a little bit more drag it out in the in the in the pits as it were defensively? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for us, you know, I, I find us to really scheme and game plan defensively. Uh, I think the more stops we get, the better are we are offensively. The more we can control the clock and control the game. Um, so for me, I, you know, I would think for us, the strength for us would be to uh, control the score. Sure, uh, certainly makes sense. A uh, little bit of changes in the in the New England area over the years. You guys moved out of the GNAC um, from like 12 years ago, moved yeah. into the Triple C. Uh, the GNAC, the Triple C, the LEC, they, they, they've all kind of had some small changes. Teams going from here and there. I'm thinking of Eastern Nazarene. The NAC has grown or, or really shrunk and then grown again. Do you guys ever feel comfortable up there? Yeah, it's it's it's. The doors are always opening, and and and, and things are changing. Um, I feel very comfortable in the conference that we're in. Um, you know, I think it's a really good fit for us. Uh, but yeah, things things are are continuously changing, and and teams are changing. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the those that are on the top, or you know, some are slipping down, and some are moving up. So it's exciting to see the change, though, too. Uh, nervous about the regional rankings? You got you expect that maybe you guys are being there, or is it is it something you don't need to worry about? You just need to go out in the air and get take care of the AQ. Yeah, you know, I, I think we scheduled a strong non non conference schedule. Um, you know, I'm happy with the way the team responded. Um, I think we're very fortunate that we uh, we got some 
some wins over some really, really good New England conference um, opponents. Um, you know, I, I hope that the, the the committee recognizes that. But for us, I think our main focus is honestly just the conference and, and taking care of business in that. Makes total sense. Obviously, that's the game at hand. And obviously, one more home game or way game against Nichols, then home against New England and Wentworth. And you mentioned that the Saturday will be your senior night, not the not the end, final game in the middle of the week, correct? Yeah, yep, Saturday will be senior day, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I noticed a few who do that, including my alma mater. So, makes sense. Uh, Coach, yeah. appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to seeing how the, what I think is a very fascinating Triple C race uh, ends up in the end. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. And certainly... Hope to see you guys dancing in March as well. It'd be fun to see the the uh, Bears there. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I, I just appreciate uh, being on the show. And uh, anybody that that wants to follow us, uh, I think it, we're an exciting team with a, a great group of uh, young women. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody's uh, cheering for the Bears. There you go. Uh, coach, thanks so much for the time. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Nicole Chazar joining us here. Uh, teams, uh, I, I think one of those were in New England, we get overmatched, we get over, um, we we lose out because we, we're, we're focused on so many of the good teams. And right now in New England, it's obviously Tufts, Tufts Amherst, and Bowden. And you kind of forget everybody else who's playing up there. And I think, I think there's teams like Western New England and, and, and University of New England, certainly. Uh, LEC's had some good teams over the years. Granted, none of them have knocked off those big NESCAC teams, and I'm not trying to say that they're better than the NESCAC in any way, but I think they're darn good and they don't get understood as much. And Check out Western New England. I think it might be worth the, worth the watch. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, head all the way down to Texas. We'll go from Springfield, Mass. to Dallas, Texas. Talk to Terry Butterfield about his Comet squad. Just how good are the comments this season? And how tough is the ASC race? Find out more. Oh, by the way, uh, Travis asked me, does St. Joe's jump into the top 25 on the men's side? Uh, I would think so. I would think so, especially with Brandeis losing. Excuse me, Brandeis and Albion losing at the bottom of the pole. I'd be shocked if St. Joseph's not in your top 25 as a second-year program. There's your answer, Travis. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs 
and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville. <laughs> Somehow ran out of time in the commercial break. Also looked up, realized we had like 30 seconds left, and I needed to get going. Just got Coach on the line. We're ready to roll. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Also, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville's live simulcasting. I've been trying to try this new trick with the Facebook simulcast and publish a poll, but it's not letting me. Uh, I have no idea why it won't let me publish it, but oh well. I can't do anything about that. If you got questions for us, though, we're simulcasting there. And for those of you asking about our YouTube, we are shut down from streaming for reasons I can't explain. According to even YouTube's rules, we should be able to be streaming by this point in time. But say la vie. Nothing we can do about it right now. As soon as we get that back up and running, we will try and simulcast there as well. We know a lot of you enjoy the show there. If you listen to the podcast, we know a lot of you enjoy the podcast there. Um, thank you for taking the time. All right, so we're switching down to, to Texas, and I've been watching the ASC race on the men's side for a while. The East Division is chock-a-block of just insanity, and the West Division's got one really good team, and then everybody else is is there. Mary Harden-Baylor has faded. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I thought really highly of Mary Harden-Baylor at one point this season, um, but in their last 10, they've lost seven times. Um 
I don't know what happened on the on the news on the other side of the new year. We talked earlier in the year how they weren't bringing back one of their main stars that we were expecting, and maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but anyway, on the east side, like I said, Texas Dallas has got a one game lead on East Texas Baptist. Of course, East Texas Baptist have been leading the way, but they've lost three of their last four twice to Laterno on the same weekend, and then lost this weekend to Texas Dallas. When something like that happens and I finally have some clarity, I can go to the conference and know who I'm going to talk to about it. Previously, I'm worried I'm going to talk to somebody who, as you see, might go on a bit of a slide, and then all you can blame it on the Hoopsville curse. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, a man I don't expect to be cursed by his appearance, Terry Butterfield, joins us. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's my pleasure to be with you. I appreciate it, as always. Uh, we hey, listen, uh, yeah. before you get started, uh, you know, uh, our school is uh, nationally known for uh, engineering, computer science. Uh, if you want, I can call our help desk at school real quick and try to solve some of your issues up there. <laughs> I, anything I can get from assistance, sir, yes. Uh, <laughs> at this point, the one-man band is starting to run out of steam. <laughs> right, right. Uh, my brother-in-law works for Google, and it's no help whatsoever. So, anything, yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if your folk know what's going on, you, you let me know. Well, uh, let me tell you, if it wasn't for... Uh, if it wasn't for the help desk, desk I, may, I, I may not have survived there all these years. <laughs> yeah, well, help desks uh, are both very helpful and very stubborn all at the same time. <laughs> um, hey, listen, I, I think we expected a lot of things from you guys this season. I, I, I know I had you in the preseason top 25. Right. I think you guys are expecting more out of your season. I'm, I'm being general here. We'll get to how it's been, obviously. Um, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. You guys didn't bring back a player you were expecting to bring back either. Um, and while you didn't get off to the greatest start, you seem to have found yourselves pretty nicely. Dave, we've had a tumultuous year to say the least. You know, uh, it, it, as I'm sure you've heard many times, the best laid plans sometimes <laughs> just don't pan out. Have you watched and, this show, uh, Terry? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So, uh, you know, we had a returning uh, first-team All-American, Demetrius Underwood, right. who uh, needed wrist surgery in the uh, in the summer uh, due to a lingering uh, injury to uh, to a ligament, and uh, and uh, he is still in the recovery process, mm. even at this late day. It's just uh, it's one of those things where uh, his flexion in his wrist was not going to be what it needed to be, and I think he made a life decision, you know, in terms of just having the surgery and uh, foregoing what would be his senior year. Uh, we're fortunate in that uh, uh, he also switched majors along the way from mm. mechanical engineering into the business. And uh, uh, he's got plenty of things that can come keep him busy and moving towards that degree in his fifth year. So I think his plan right now is to join us next year, which is obviously a blessing. But, you know, after we set our schedules for this year, we expected him to be, you know, one of the premier players in our conference and perhaps in the country. You know, there's not many people that get to say that they're returning a first-team All-American uh, for their senior year. And uh, so that was our expectation, and it didn't pan out. So uh, he's on the sideline. And then we've lost some other kids along the way. We've actually lost four of our top eight kids uh, uh, first game of the year. Uh, we had a, a really difficult situation. We were out at the Redlands. And uh, our starting uh, shooting guard, uh, Curtis Allen, 
uh, dropped to the floor six minutes in the game, cardiac arrest. Yes. Had to be revived. Uh, you know, had to put the paddles on them and all that stuff. And it was an absolutely uh, earth-shattering experience. So he's not been able to play at all this year. And he's one of the top three-point shooters in our conference last year. We've had two really good sophomores that were playing major minutes uh, go down this year and are not going to be eligible to return. So we've we've had our share of adversity. And uh, But, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so pleased that through all of that, We've been able to grow into a, a pretty good team, and uh, I'm really amazed and proud at what our kids kids have been able to accomplish in spite of the uh, the curveballs that have been thrown their way. Sure. I absolutely agree. I, I didn't want to kind of address all that myself. I felt it would be better to hear yeah, from well, you. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. it's been tough. And Demetrius Underwood, I know we we're all expecting back, and, I, and now that Bob Quillman lives in your neck of the woods <laughs> – we at least got a good update from him. He's seen you sure. guys four times, and he speaks very highly for how well you guys play. And we at least got word that Underwood would not be back this year, but hopefully we'll see him back because he's a great talent. Uh, love yeah. hearing him. But it was a story over the holidays that I feel like I never fully understood because you know we're, we're busy at the holidays, not only with family, but obviously with our event out in, in Vegas. And I remember right. hearing something about it, but I didn't. It was one of those passing by things like, wait, did I hear that right? And then there was a story about it. And then I felt like I got even more confused. Like, I'm like, oh, this must have happened a few years ago. Wait, no, this happened this year. How in the world do you guys get through such a thing? Because that's a Len Bias type thing. That's yeah. a, that not even Len Bias. That's the wrong one I'm thinking of. Um, Loyola Marymount. Um yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about hand gathers. Hand gathers. Thank you. Right, right, that's right. that's incredibly difficult. How do you guys? How yeah. did you guys deal with it? I'm so glad to hear he's doing well. By the way, relatively speaking. Well, you know, uh, we're obviously we're extremely blessed that he's still with us because if it hadn't been for the uh, uh, the great work of the uh, Redlands training staff, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, we uh, were out there without our trainer who was tied into a women's soccer tournament, and uh, uh, if it hadn't been for the Redlands group, uh, gosh, I don't know, I, I fear to think of what might have happened, but uh, they were able to get the uh, uh, information they needed, uh, do the CPR, uh, brought the AED out, were able to knock him back to life, and uh, uh, it it was beyond anything I could describe to you in my 40 years of coaching at I just hope and pray that nobody else has to go through that. And yeah. uh, to be and to be honest with you, what's even crazier is that uh, we went back in a locker room after he'd been taken to the hospital, and our kids voted to, to finish the game and mm. and were able to sort of find our way back into the game at the very end, uh, score a huge uh, three uh, in late in the in the second half, and then win in overtime. And uh, 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 you know, I just, how they were able to do that, you know, I had one kid, Dave, that was so distraught, he, he literally couldn't play in the game anymore. He, he literally said, Coach, I can't, uh, I, can't yeah. I can't get on the floor. I'm so upset that uh, what I just saw here, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be there for the end. So how they did it, 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 it's beyond anything I can comprehend. But I, I just tell you that I think I've got an amazing group of kids 
that have really, really high character. And uh, I think that's gotten us through, to be quite honest with you. And by the way, I said around the holidays, I misspoke. It was the beginning of the season. You, you right. And, and I just had it conflated with another period of time. You reminded me because yeah. Redlands was busy with soccer, and that's how I remembered when it took right, place. Right. But we're all distracted with other sports is, is how that kind of sure. slips through. I mean, it was, a, you know, the new starting date to the year, uh, November 8th. Um, right. right. By the way, real quick update on him. Will we ever see him? play again or is or is is his career come to a close as a result of this well i would say as of right now uh i think that uh you know he's taking stock of a lot of things you sure. know when something like that happens to you he's been implanted with a defibrillator now okay. okay um there has been some conversation uh for him uh that you know there there have been people who have gone through that sudden cardiac arrest with no reasons and have come back and been able to participate again. I think they are still trying to figure out what happened because there's uh. been no clear indication and they've done a lot of genes, uh, genetic stuff. And uh, I, I don't know where we stand because, you know, I said to, I say to him playfully once in a while, look, you know, when the season's over, it's going to be just like your senior year in high school because I'm going to re-recruit you again. You know, you're uh, you're not going to get away from me that easy. And we we miss him dearly, not only from the basketball perspective because he could shoot the living daylights out of the thing, but mm-hmm. more so because he's he's such a a mainstream for our team. You know, he's a, he's got a great sense of humor and he's very well liked by our guys, and he certainly is participating and traveling with us and doing things. Oh, good. But, you know, it's just not the same. Sure. It's not the same as having him out there, knowing that we can get him the ball, and he's going to knock down a three, and he misses it terribly, you know, because he had worked so hard to get ready for his senior year, and it was probably the best preseason he's ever had. And he got to play a whole six minutes. So, you know, I don't I, – you know, that's a conversation for later. I, If he walked in my office tomorrow and said, look, I've made up my mind I'm going to play again, uh, I'd be doing somersaults because he's a great kid. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, let's talk more about the team that's obviously had to fight through all of this and are yep. having a tremendous season, all things considered. We've got four players in double figures. All four of them have started this season in right. every single game. And Jalen Weber, Hans Burritz, Keldon Pruitt, Michael Forrest, Forster. I know there's others. We'll talk about them. But tell me about those four, including Burwitz, who's averaging a double-double, by the way, He's got 15 yeah. points a game and 11 rebounds. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a great mainstay for us. And uh, he's a local kid. He's from Allen, which is a suburb of the Dallas area. Uh, he started his career up at Gannon in Division Two. Okay, okay. And uh, I got a call in the spring of his freshman year, and it was became very clear to him that a good old Texas boy was freezing his tail off up there on Lake Erie. Oh, come on. So, oh, he... Uh, he came back for spring break and, and visited us on a Friday. By Saturday afternoon, he said, I'm coming. Oh, wow. I'm coming. And he was, a, he was a very good student, so he was able to meet our admission standards. So we feel very lucky to have him in our program. Uh, he's, uh, he's really a talent inside. He actually can shoot the ball a little bit, but he's very, very strong, and he's very adept and good around the basket. So he's been uh, a great player for us. And... Uh, and uh, the other guy that gets in the ball a lot, as uh, you mentioned, was Jalen Weber. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen's an interesting story. Uh, uh, Houston kid, came out of high school, uh, went to Houston Baptist, 
didn't have a great experience there. Transferred to our local community college, junior college, Collin, which is Division One JUCO basketball. Uh, played a year there, and you know, obviously, we didn't think there was any chance we could recruit him because he said, those kids, you know, they go to some really great schools for basketball. But uh, word came to us that he was very interested in becoming an engineer. Hmm. And, you know, engineering is what we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, long story short, he, uh, he chooses, uh, to come to our place because of our mechanical engineering and, uh, uh, is doing a heck of a job. It's about a 3.6, uh, in the, in mechanical. And, uh, you know, not very often a kid will turn down a full ride somewhere because he feels like his future is in a different area and he's going to make a decision academically, number one. But that's sort of what he did. And he's been, he's been fantastic. He's been sort of, he's been sort of the heart and soul of our team along with Hans. Isn't that story the D3 though? I mean, we can certainly point to a number of players who decide, listen, I've got better things to do than I want to play basketball, but I know I got to do other things in my life. Um, and, and they, and they realize that the D1 sit on the bench at realm may not be the best option. Well, and I also think that there's a lot more kids out there, Dave, that really want a good, a better balance between Mm -hmm. the academics and the athletics. I hear all the time about kids spending huge amounts of hours, you know, like literally uh, the thing becomes a job for them at the higher levels and the amount of hours of time and energy spent and delaying their degrees sometime. Uh, This kid, he just wanted, you know, he, he had a vision for what he wanted academically. And I think he felt that this was the best option. And I know five years from now, 10 years from now, when he gets out of school and uh, people are, are just working hard to get his attention in the workforce, uh, he's going to be tremendously successful. Uh, by the way, we should point out he's averaging 4.3 assists per game. He's averaging his assist to turnover ratio is 1.4 to 1, which isn't too shabby. 17 and a half points a game, three rebounds a game, shoots 44% from the floor, 35% from deep. Is there anything he can't do? He's pretty well-rounded. He's pretty well-rounded. And, you know, he's had a little bit of adversity lately. He's been nursing uh, a little bit of a hamstring uh, strain. So uh, he's felt good at times, and he's felt not so good at times. And when he feels good, he's really good. And when he hasn't felt so good, you know, you can see there's just a little bit Maybe less of a quick step, and he's a he's a pretty quick kid, and he's a really savvy kid. You know, he he can get you to the rim, he can stop and pull up on you. So I think that uh, you know, so goes his hammy, so goes us. Well, so goes so far very nicely. Um, where else are we getting things? If I, if if I if I'm not willing to dive into your team further than Weber. Uh, Berwitz, Pruitt, and Forster. Where else is this team clicking? Where else is where's the heart and soul of this team? Well, you know, you mentioned the other two kids. You know, Forster and uh, Keldon Pruitt have just had some monster games. Uh, it's funny they it usually doesn't happen together, but usually one of them gives us a monster game. Uh, uh, Mike Forster gave us a a great game yesterday. Pruitt gave us twenty seven on Thursday against Laterno. Mm-hmm. So. Somebody else has got to be functioning. And then we've had the emergence of a really fine senior by the name of Xavier Farrell. And Xavier, uh, I think he had a career high yesterday, career high number of makes from the three-point arc. He's our, he's one of our best defenders. We really count on him for that. But uh, Hans got doubled inside yesterday, and we found him on the kickouts a couple times, and he just buried jumpers. So 
uh, he seems to be coming on strong, and uh, he couldn't have picked a better time to do so. No, that's a perfect time to get ready for this. Is this? Are you confident that you guys can take care of business? And I know you've tested yourselves. You guys went out to um, uh, the Freeman Center in Newport News and, and, and faced yeah. off against Christopher Newport, and I know that was early in the season when you guys were still trying to find yourself after everything that had happened. But have you right. found yourselves, and are you guys now feeling like you're – you're controlling things well enough that, A, the AFC conference is going to come through your neck of the woods, and, B, we're going to be talking about you guys in March? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, we've got four ball games left. We've got to go out east uh, this week. We've got to go to Bellhaven and Jackson, and we've got to go to Louisiana College in Pineville, uh, Louisiana. And uh, uh, both of those teams are very capable, uh, take nothing for granted. Uh, we finished with two West Division foes. We finished with Harden Simmons and McMurray. Both of them are fighting hard for a playoff spot. You just alluded to that. And, uh, hey, if we don't play good basketball, we can get beat. Uh, just a, a flat-out fact. We are not deep enough. And with some of the losses we've had, you know, it's not like we've got gobs of choices there. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I just hope that we're going to be – at our very best from here on out. As you know, this is the time of year when good teams have to separate themselves, and I'm hoping that our guys are going to seize the moment and do that. First regional rankings come out uh, this week. We can talk about the ASC and the troubles it creates itself until we're blue in the face. Uh, right. and you and I have certainly talked about it. You clearly went out there and did what you could to at least um, make your resume as, as diverse as you could. I know the AQ is important, but are you going to be taking a look at those regional rankings and, more importantly, the rankings in the future to see how well you guys might be positioned? You know, Dave, I think at this juncture our absolute focus has to be on finishing as strong as we can on our in the East Division and then going to our conference tournament and trying to win the thing. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of hope outside of that. And, you know, our – I know everybody in the country says, hey, you know, we play in a great conference, and I certainly am <laughs> no different, you know. No, everybody sure. feels like their conference is the conference. We've got some incredibly talented teams. We just came through a week where, uh, as you mentioned, Letourneau, uh, you know, these teams are scoring 85, 95 points yeah. a game, and just incredibly talented kids. Uh, East Texas Baptist, uh, great senior group, shoot the heck out of the three. You know, any, you know, anybody I think can get anybody else, uh, in our league. Uh, over on the west side, Sol Ross, Cliff Carroll has done a great job down there, and it looks like they're positioned to host the conference tournament right now. It, you know, it alternates every year from east side to west side, and so we've got a, probably an eight hour trip in front of us going to Alpine, Texas for the second hmm. time this year, which is almost down to the Rio Grande. Yep. So, uh, that's a challenge for anybody to make that sort of trip this late in the year. So right now, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if anybody's paying much attention to the ASC in terms of the NCAA folks. But you know, there could be a surprise there. I don't know. But we certainly beat up each other, uh, beat each other up enough here to where I could see there maybe not being a lot of noise for us right now. I think we got to go win the thing, or I think somebody in our league's just got to go win the thing in order to you know, get that AQ because I'm not sure where we go behind the AQ. Hey, last time uh, the ASC had a big magical run in the tournament was 2013. 
It was a championship uh, near run. It was a runner-up finish by Mary Harden right. Baylor in Atlanta. We're going to Atlanta yeah. this year, Terry. Just yeah. saying. Just yeah. saying. Um, that would be uh, Dave. That would be the thrill of a lifetime to be able to be there. <laughs> I, I was there. Well, you're there the every year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. You know, it, it, and I don't know if you had a chance to get to that game. You know, they oh, yeah. the D two and the D three yeah. game. Yeah. Well, well, that was a heck of a day of basketball. Yes, that was, it was a lot of fun. That D two game was just as exciting. as D three game, the score may not have indicated, but that was a fun game too. Oh, geez, I just thought the environment mm-hmm. and the amount of people taking place and the 10, way they yeah. made the yeah, it, it was you know, I it, it was just a thrill to be there. I felt really proud about you know Mary Hart and Baylor being there and Ken DeWeese uh, and representing our conference. Because you know we we're a long way away from everybody else. We maybe don't get the notoriety, but we play great basketball in this conference. So it was nice to see an ASC team do so well. Yeah, they came from not ranked um, AQ winners all the way to that championship in a wacky year. It was fun to watch. Um, yeah. It would be it'd be idiotic of me not to let you go without asking about win number five hundred. You got it against the Ozarks. <laughs> Last weekend, uh, it was a nip yeah. and tuck game at their place, sixty four sixty. But win number five hundred. Now you're at five hundred two. What does that mean to you to to get to such what many still consider a pretty significant milestone? Well, you know, it it, it seems sort of surreal. Been doing this so long, it's not something that you think much about. I've been going around telling people it means I'm as old as dirt, <laughs> and I've been able to I've been able to. Uh, to, to persevere in this in this business, as you know, this business washes many people out, yeah. and uh, and people don't want to put up with the sort of things you got to put up with. But for me, I I can't help but thinking, you know, it's it, it's it's sort of funny because you know people say you're five hundred to win, you know, and I and I tell people, look, you know, I haven't taken the floor for one minute of any of that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't taken a shot. Haven't uh, tried to get a charge. Haven't defended anybody. And I, I know what I do has merit. But what I think about is all the great kids I've had the honor to coach over all these years. And so many of them were able to check in with me this week via Facebook or social media or text. And almost every kid said uh, to a man, hey, I was really glad to be uh, part of a couple of those. And, you know, uh, we... I learn every year, Dave, that your notoriety as a coach and, and your, the quality of your career is based on having high-character, high-level kids, and I've been blessed with that here at UTD. You need to check something because, according to the NCAA, you're at 503, which is one game more. So, Well, if they want to pile some more on me, I'll take it. But you know, <laughs> Well, it was along maybe... with the 500 losses. I, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not quite. But no, quite. no. Uh, I kid. I just have some fun with you. But uh, no, I, I looked it up because I wanted to double check uh, what your record was. Um, and they, fi- yeah, you have 503 wins. So congratulations. You're one win closer to 600. <laughs> maybe there's maybe there's a bonus system there, huh? Maybe exactly. uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a two for one day. Yeah, maybe as a Marlin, they gave you one for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Hey, again, coach, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. I know we talked to you a little longer than planned, but I appreciate it. Thanks for going and talking so eloquently about the challenges you guys have had this season. And congratulations on what's been a tremendous season, nonetheless. I'm actually 
kind of excited about next year, and that's nothing against this year because I, I just know what could possibly be, but I'm really excited yeah. to see what you guys can do to finish off this season as well. Uh, as well, always, we give the coach a final word, though. Final f- thoughts, uh, anything you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I just uh, I appreciate very much uh, uh, spending some time with you and having a chance to promote our program and our conference. You know, uh, it's a really unique situation uh, to be able to have this sort of conversation. You know, a lot of us, we do this thing under the radar, and if it wasn't for you guys, uh, you know, every year it just gets bigger and better. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate all you do for Division Three basketball, both men's and women's. It's fantastic. Uh, well, thank you for the time because we couldn't do this show and talk about all of you flying under the radar unless you came on the show <laughs> to join us. So I appreciate it. Good luck My the rest pleasure. of the way, and I look forward to talking to you down the road. You too, David. Take care now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Terry Butterfield joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Running a little late, and we'll keep going, but I want to make a point. By the way, real quick, I should have just looked at my notes. Uh, uh, Dave Wester, the head, the uh, sports information director at, at Dallas, pointing out that it's 503 on the all-time list um, in his 31 years. Uh, he's got 343 of those with the Comets, um, which is darn impressive, just, just to be blunt. Uh, they go to Bellhaven. This week and Louisiana College. That's coming up. They'll, they'll bracket um, Valentine's Day there. Uh, and then the following weekend, they're home against Hardin-Simmons and McMurray. Obviously want to finish strong and have the tournament, uh, control the tournament as much as they can. So, uh, really, Texas-Dallas. Bob Quillman, dead serious, uh, s- says he's impressed with this unit. He's seen them four times in person. Wouldn't be surprised if he sees them a few more times. Uh, I, I don't take Bob's opinion lightly. Well, except maybe when he's talking about his Titans. Um, but if he thinks they're a solid unit and he's seen them in person, I take that seriously as well. When we come back, we'll keep talking men's basketball. Where are we headed? It's only one other guest, right? Um, we go to the central region. Speaking of Bob Quillman, we'll head out there and we'll talk to St. Norbert and what they're doing in the Midwest Conference in their final season in said conference. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, 
a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, "Hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference." Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball, or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance; it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly. It's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term "gay" doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term "gay" used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D three Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us Hoopsville at D three Sports dot com. That's Hoopsville at D three Sports dot com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Hoopsville. I promise you one thing: the Oscars may have started, but we're hosting this entire show. The Oscars are going hostless, and we will lace talk about things you want to listen to. Because somebody's going to say something on the Oscars that somebody somewhere doesn't want to listen to. And unless you're so diehard into Division One, I, I highly suspect you're not going to enjoy listening to what we're talking about.、Um, still talking about men's basketball, switching gears, heading up into the Central Region in the Midwest Conference. I've been teasing all day. This is their last season in the Midwest Conference. Somewhere I read that they were leaving for 2021. Apparently, I've got the, my years backwards. They've got one more year to go. So the Midwest Conference is now angry,、uh, and they're going to want to take out.、Um, Uh, Saint Norbert, because it's all my fault. I jumped the gun by a year, but at the same time, there's been so many darn conference changes over the years that at this point, you, you need a you need a very thick directory to keep track of everything. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is a head coach of the Saint Norbert men's basketball, playing in their penultimate year in the Midwest Conference. It is Gary Gresh. They are coaches, eighteen and three, thirteen and one in the conference, with a three game lead with four to play. I'm sure you guys have already popped the champagne, right? No, <laughs> not, no, not not quite, not quite. <laughs> no, we got、really? a lot of work to do here still. Shocking, you say that, sir. Yeah.、Uh, well, I was going to say it this way:、uh, three, yes,、um, three game lead with four to play. But it would be ripping that just reminded you guys recently 
of just how tenuous things can be. They tripped you up a few games back, 70-52. to 52. I know we weren't the only ones who probably took stock of that. You probably took quite a bit of stock of that result. Well, yeah, the conference, you know, it's, it's just a, a grind. And I know we were fortunate a couple of years ago to have a, a long 72 conference game winning streak. And when you go through a season, even like we're having, and we took the loss to Ripon a couple of weeks ago, it makes you appreciate that streak uh, even more um, looking back on it because it just does not, not happen like that. <laughs> No, um, and I know that, well, let's put it this way. I know that we've always ex- seen you put together a really good program that competes at the top of the region, especially, um, that you only have one loss in conference. I think it's noteworthy because as much as a grind it is, um, first off, there's elements of it that aren't as challenging. There's other elements that no matter what their record, <clears throat> Grinnell, uh, you're going to have to deal with them. <laughs> Uh, and then there's always somebody along with you who's going to be pretty challenging. So again, with only one loss, to me that I think that speaks volumes because you're clearly having a really good season. Yeah, our kids have been very consistent um, throughout the majority of the season, especially within the conference. Um, the challenges within the league, you have the, the the travel. So right now we're we're five games um, on the road with five and a half hours or longer of of time on the bus. And one of those weekends is a back-to-back where you're playing Friday night and then you turn around and play Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Now, you get you get two of those games at home uh, another weekend, but right. when you go on the road and you travel like that on a Saturday, we just got back from Illinois College late last night. It is very challenging. Well, to be honest, even if you're at home, turning around and playing the next day is tough. Uh, there's a lot of conferences that do it, and there's some conferences that tried it and decided to go away from it. Don't get me started. I think it was a better better solution for them. Um, but you guys have been grinding it out. Here's what jumped out at me, though, especially. Start first two games of the season, you lose to Benedictine, who right now in the NACC is looking really good, and you lose to Elmhurst, mm-hmm. who in the CCIW has been looking really good, minus maybe the last couple of outings, but still has been at the top of that conference for the entire season. Until that Ripon game, though, you guys had gone unblemished. What was it about the start, and what is it about those two games that has maybe kind of steamrolled you through the rest? Yeah, well, start start at the top with the opening of the season, the, the Benedictine game and Elmhurst game, two really, really good programs, two well-coached teams. And when you go through a little adversity and you lose those games, it really kind of makes you evaluate your program and your team and what you need to do better to, to win some of those games. So, I thought our kids did a good job. You never want to go through those losses and lose those games, but I thought we really got better from playing those quality teams and learned from it, got better, and um, won a couple close games after that and really gained a lot of confidence going forward. Um, and then within the league, um, we came out of the Christmas break, won our Christmas tournament, and then it played pr- pretty consistently up until the Ripon game. Uh, so the ripping game is an 18.1, you know, on paper, that looks like you guys weren't in it. You know, I mean, look at the box score and, and, and what I'm getting at is it didn't feel like it was the game you guys wanted to play. And maybe it was, uh, you know, perfect timing, perfect storm, whatever you want to be. You guys were down 17 or 13 at halftime. Uh, they shot incredibly well, 50% from the floor, 50% from deep and 92% from the three point arc. You guys shot 15% from beyond the arc. Obviously, some small things like that you can jump on. 
was it just a perfect storm, perfect hit, and, and and it wasn't a game, and it's one of those you can just dismiss, or is it a game you guys have to use as a teaching tool? Well, you definitely have to use it as a teaching tool, and it just shows how, how valuable every game is. And then if you're not ready to play, um, you can certainly get beat on any given night. I think our league, um, you know, top to bottom, you look at in the past, some of the non-conference records um, within the league have that we have not fared well outside of our league with the seven non-conference games. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the records of the teams within the conference when they played the non-conference game, it, it's probably as good as it's ever been. And I think the league from top to bottom has probably has has been as it's good as it's ever been. Interesting. Um, you do have a lot of good records, 14-7 and seven for Ripon, 14-7 and seven for Monmouth. Interesting, Lake Forest, Cornell, and Grinnell all tied at 10-10 and 10 right now in, the, in their overall record. They're all one. They're all within a game of each other uh, in the in the conference. Uh, then there's Beloit, Lawrence, Knox, and Illinois College to round out the final four. Interesting enough, you'll play a mix of them because you'll have Beloit next. Then, unfortunately, bad news for you: you're on the road against Grinnell. They're, they'll drag you into their style game. Yeah. Th- then you're on the road against Lawrence, and then you're home against Monmouth. So you're kind of building from the bottom up in the, in some ways in terms of standings, and you're going to get a mixed bag of everything in the next four. Well, definitely. I think, um, you know, we just got back from Illinois College, and I think mathematically they're not eligible or in, in the running for one of the conference tournament spots, but they gave us all we can handle. It was a tie game with about six minutes to go down there, and they played extremely well. So um, it kind of speaks to the parity within our conference. Um, and now with four games to go, I, I think all those teams that we play coming up, Beloit, uh, Grinnell, Lawrence, and Monmouth, are all still in the running for one of those four conference tournament spots. So um, there's still a lot to play for with these last four games. Uh, quickly, before we get off the topic of the schedule, I do want, I, or what's going on, I, should, I do want to go back. Again, Benedict, Benedictine and Elmhurst on your non-conference. So is Eau Claire, Oshkosh, Superior, and Stout. Um, apparently you decided you didn't want to leave Wisconsin this year, <laughs> uh, <laughs> except for the trip to Benedictine and Elmhurst. Um, did you guys go out there? I know you've always tried to find a way to make your non-conference schedule better because I know over the years you've not talked about it, you know, trying to improve your, your resume, as it were. It seems like you at least made at least a conscious decision towards that, or was it just that you had a bunch of dates open there were YX schools, schools that needed needed competition? No, well, the, the YX schools definitely need a lot of non-conference games, and the proximity with those schools, it just makes sense. So sure. we've played... Eau Claire and Oshkosh the last number of years. It just worked out with Superior and Stout were able to come to our Christmas tournament. Okay. Um, and we did. We, we thought we had a good team coming back off of last year's team. So you do want to schedule a tough non-conference schedule um, just to give yourselves um, an opportunity. Now you got to win some of those games, obviously. But if you ever want an opportunity to get a Pool C bid, um, so much of it is based on the strength of schedule and your resume. You have to schedule um, good opponents, or at least what you think will be good opponents the following year. Certainly. I feel like you guys are flying a little under the radar heading into this season, though. I don't think a lot of us had high expectations in terms of you know, one loss in conference. I think we always know that you guys are going to be competitive. You're always going to be in the conversation. You're always going to make the Central Region an interesting um, one to talk about outside of just the CCIW and the, and the WIAC. But I don't – were we underselling your – I know you had a number of seniors coming back, but were, were we underselling what you guys had as potential? Well, I, I don't know. Where, where were you? I don't um, know. 
I, I know last year in our non-conference, I believe we went two and five in our, our non-conference games last year. So, um, you know, we, we did have a number of kids coming back off of last year's team, but we also did struggle um, with our non-conference games last year, even though we won the regular season conference championship. And then Lake Forest beat us in the conference tournament mm-hmm. championship to get the automatic bid. Um, we struggled a little bit outside our league last year. Yeah, maybe it was just the, that combination with not making the tournament um, maybe just some of us just kind of put out a wait-and-see attitude. And, and I've been impressed, obviously, so far. Let's talk about the players you've got. As we mentioned, you've got a, a host of seniors on this team. Um, I, I If I have enough trouble saying your name sometimes, Gary, I, there's <laughs> no way I'm going to get Joe's name right right this second. Yeah, Joey, Joey Syriax um, oh, okay. was a second-team all-conference player for us last year and has probably been um, our, our most – complete player especially on the perimeter has really shot the ball well for us well he's one of four guys in double figures 14.2 points a game uh connor curtis at 14 points a game jared murphy at 13.3 and nolan uh bernie burn a uh, burn. burn see yep i take a wild guess i'll miss it uh at 10 points a game and i'm going to mention uh wade uh Geenan as well because he's at 8.9 but that's a couple good games from being in double digits himself Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you guys rebound kind of as a team. You got two guys at six, but you've got a whole host at three or four per game. All a ton of guys hand out assists. Uh, you actually have two co-leaders at the top of that category. What is it about this team that goes so well? Is it a, is it distribution? Is it passing? Um, unselfishly, is it defense starts the off? What what's going on that that allows for such a what looks like a balanced attack? Yeah, I think uh, our program has always been based on the defensive end, um, taking away transition baskets, rebounding the basketball. And then on offense, I think we have a pretty unselfish group of guys that really understand their roles. They're going to take good shots, make the extra pass, set good screens for their teammates. Um, and they've been in the system. You know, we have a veteran group um, led by those two seniors, Joey Syriax and Connor Curtis. Um, we also have Jordan Newman as a senior who hasn't gotten on the floor, but is also one of our captains for us and does a great job every day in practice. Um, so those three guys, and even um, Joe Lemon last year tore his ACL in the spring in an mm-hmm. open gym, has not played. He's been at a number of the practices and has helped some of the younger guys as well. So we do have a v- veteran group that really understand their roles. You're outscoring your opponents by 15.5 points um, per game. You're out rebounding by eight. You're shooting 40, well, let's call it 49%, though allowing 42.5, not horrible, certainly. Shooting outside the arc at 39%, free throws are 73%, and that, that's a number that's not everybody's forte, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things on a box score that say you're, you're having a darn good season. If there was something I needed to pin you down, though, about that you need to still improve on, Without, I realize, giving the whole game away to everybody else coming up on your schedule. What What is it about this team that still needs to, to improve? Well, I think um, if we can get everybody playing well on a consistent level. Now, we've won a number of games because certain guys have struggled in games. A number of other guys have stepped up during that time. Um, but if we can get everyone playing their best basketball down the stretch when the games matter the most... I think that's what we're looking for. And if we can just get a little bit better in practice each day and fine-tune some things, um, you know, now with, with no double headers, mm-hmm. the remainder of the year, they're all single games, one during the week on Wednesday and one on Saturday. we got a little more time during the week to work on some things and get better. 
and that's what we're going to try to do here these last couple of weeks before the conference tournament. Are you able to use f- past seasons as reminders with this group, or because last season ended without any postseason hurrah, it's really a, a clean slate no matter how, many, how long guys have been there? Well, yeah, every year is different. I think um, that the seniors have won two conference championships, mm-hmm. but they have not been to the NCAA tournament. So um, I think for those guys, they want to finish their year, their careers out well, um, hopefully have a chance to win another conference championship, which is no small feat. And then uh, a lot of how you're measured comes down to the conference tournament and getting the automatic bid. So I think those guys want to finish their careers out on a on a high note and certainly understand the urgency and practice in the games each day. How tough's this region? I mean, we know the CCIW, we know the WIAC, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you're the one trying to schedule. You're the one trying to, you know, figure things out with a with an interesting Midwest Conference schedule. How tough's this region from from the from your point of view? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, we we took um, Oshkosh into overtime and ended up winning that game. We were very fortunate to win that one. Um, Eau Claire is an excellent team who we beat just before the Oshkosh game, and that kind of spearheaded a lot of our confidence within some of our younger kids. Um, but yeah, the Midwest, the the region itself is just loaded with quality teams up and down. So. Um, you, you want to schedule up if you know you're going to have a good team, but you have to win some of those games as yeah. well. I know um, Ryan Kane is uh, doing a great job at Ripon, and he's our Midwest rep on the regional ranking committee. So it'll be interesting to see how all those things shake out um, come this week. By the way, nice uh, way to go into the Christmas holiday, knock off the defending national champs. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they're they're an hour south of us, so we've played them every year since yeah. I've been here for the last 14 years. Um, just a great program. Um, they lost a couple of really good players off of last year's team, but still have a lot of talented kids there. Um, we were kind of trailing most of the way, and we did a lot of things right in the last two minutes to send it into overtime. And then we were able to take the lead at the very end of overtime um, on an offensive rebound. Nolan Byrne got fouled knocked in both free throws, and we ended up winning that game. So we were pretty pretty fortunate, and that was a good way to go into the Christmas break and really did a lot um, for the confidence of our younger kids. I know you've played them every year. Matt Lewis says you're not playing anymore. He's, he's going in a different direction. He can't take this anymore. <laughs> well, they need too many games, so I think we're going to continue. <laughs> yeah, to no, I, I think you're fine. <laughs> I totally think you are. Uh, Gary, as always, I enjoy chatting with you and getting to know the, the Green Knights a little bit better. Uh, obviously, I know you got a lot of work still ahead in conference tournament and such, but I appreciate you giving us the insight. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to uh, give those who may be tuned in? Yeah, no, it's been a, a fun year up until this point. You know, we had a lot of guys coming back off of last year's team. Um, we did lose a couple of guys, three post players with injuries. Mm. Um, two other kids that were in the rotation decided just to concentrate on school this year. So for the kids that are uh, paying the price every day in practice, um, really putting the time in, I'm really happy for them. It's really a pleasure to come to work um, on the floor with those kids every day. And then we were able to play the two exhibition games. We played Green Bay, uh, my alma mater, in an exhibition game, and we went down to Marquette and played at the Pfizer Forum. I think that was great for our kids and our program to be in those environments. And then I'm really thankful we got a great group of coaches, um, Brian, Justin, Corey, Steve, and Joel, um, all volunteers that have full-time jobs outside mm. of basketball, but really have a passion for 
um, the program and giving back and teaching on the floor. So just I'm in a, a great situation with a number of great kids in the program surrounded by a lot of great coaches. Really cool. Well said. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations, like I said. Look forward to seeing you guys down the road and hopefully seeing you playing in March. Uh, good luck, have fun, and we'll talk soon. Dave, thanks for everything you do for D3 basketball and having me on. No problem. Thank you for the kind words. Take care. All right. Bye. Gary Grass joining us here from St. Norbert. Again, they're 18-3, and 13-1, and, and and who knows why they were flying a little under the radar, at least from a personal point of view, but they, they're, they're a good program. Uh, they always are. It always comes down to whether they've got a, a resume that's good enough, as it were. I don't think that it, we, we can go blue in the face discussing what that really means in the grand scheme of things. But um, one loss in conference, three overall, those two of them coming in the opening week against two teams who are leading or at the top of their conference races, um, not too shabby. Beloit will be a good test coming up here uh, this week, along with Grinnell. Of course, Grinnell forces you out of your typical stuff, and then you got to get back out of it. Then uh, next following week, they'll be at Lawrence and then home against Monmouth before the Midwest Conference Tournament. And just to let you know, apparently it's a long story, but uh, they won't be joining the NACC until 21-22 academic year. We'll take a break. When we come back, Gordon Mann will join us. We'll talk uh, top 25 with him on uh, – Apparently Bob, or not apparently, Bob and Ryan unavailable this this evening, but Gordon will join us, talk top 25 on the women's side. We'll talk top 25, and still ahead, we'll wrap up the show talking about what you should expect with regional rankings coming out this week for the first time this season. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk. Ever. 
or I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show as we are uh, wrapping up our number two here. We'll be talking to Gordon Mann here momentarily. Uh, he's joining us for the Top 25 Double Take. If you got questions for him or me, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on the simulcast on Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, you can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Uh, after Gordon, we'll take a break. We'll come back, quickly talk about the men's top 25, and we'll also um, dive into regional rankings that are coming out. So we'll go a little long, 15 or so minutes long uh, than the two-hour normal show that we do. Not that we ever hit the two-hour mark all that well either. All right, so women's basketball, as we mentioned, had some big games. Bowden versus uh, Amherst was a big one. Bethel taking a loss to St. Mary's was a big head shaker. Chicago had a rough week, et cetera, et cetera. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, Senior Editor at D3Hoops.com. It is Gordon Mann. Sir, welcome in. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, you're filling in for Ryan and Bob. No pressure, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid my knowledge of, uh, of uh, Yeshiva men's basketball and Illinois Western men's basketball is pretty lax. So. <laughs> it's okay, sir. We'll let it slide. Um, yeah, I mean, I said on Thursday's show, there were, what, maybe one loss in the women's side, maybe one on the men's in the top 25. I said, well, that won't last. Because yeah. the last time this happened, it didn't last to the weekend either. And And no surprise... A rough weekend. I mean, Chicago losing both games, especially to Rochester, jumped out at me. And, of course, the St. Mary's game, as I mentioned. And then the Bowden-Amherst game, which honestly escaped me on Thursday, ended up being a dandy of a game that proved that you just can't count out the Mammoths. No, I mean, they have they have offensive issues this year where, you know, they have two really special players in Hannah Fox and Madeline Eck who are all Americans and can get their shot. Uh, but the rest of the team... Uh, really depends on them to get open looks. And you've, you've got some players and, and Courtney Resch, 
uh, and, and Danny Valdez and, and a couple others who can shoot a little bit. But if they aren't hitting threes, uh, Renner is another one. Uh, they really struggle offensively, but they're always really, really good defensively. And they played the number, uh, the number three team in the country and, and shut them out literally for a quarter. You know, 16 to nothing was the score at the end of the first quarter. And the game was basically over from there. You know, Bowden got a little closer in the third, third quarter and the fourth quarter. But once you fall that far behind Amherst, you're not coming back. No, I, uh, yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, I, I know you had watched the Bowden tough game as did I and I watched Bowden throughout the year and I thought um, of the teams I've seen so far this year uh, they have the best offense that I've mm-hmm. seen they have the, the, the most balanced offense um, with Hassan inside they can shoot outside they can play in transition um, so shutting them out is, uh, is is a very impressive accomplishment and uh, now we'll just have to see how the voters sort that out in terms of how far does Bowden fall? Probably not real far. I think you'll probably see Bowden and Amherst right next to each other somewhere in the top ten. Yeah, I I, I forgot about the sixteen zero. It was I think it ended up being eighteen nothing before yeah. um, Bowden got its first points. I saw a game earlier this week where the team got out to a twenty five three start, ended up at halftime being nearly tied, and and the team that led lost the game. Believe it or not, and I remember thinking oh, wow. to myself at first, going, "Oh, okay, so well, I mean, Bowden's got a chance to get back in this." And then I remember thinking about five minutes later, I said, Dave, it's, it's Amherst. How are they yeah. really going to get against that defense? If there's one thing about Amherst and what GP Gramacki brings to the table is the offense is a second thought. They're going to shut you down on defense. And what they've done to Tufts and Bowden and others defensively every single year is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, and even, I mean, just look at the scores of, of, the, of the two games that Tufts won, both on the road. They won. They scored ninety something points against Bowden, and they scored forty eight in overtime against Amherst. Right, forty eight in overtime. So, um, you know, Amherst is probably in a situation right now. I guess if they if they ran the table, meaning let's assume they're going to play Bowden in the semifinals, sure. Tufts in the finals of the conference tournament. If they won both of those, uh, they would have a really stellar record, and they'd probably jump at least Bowden in the rankings. Um, but if they don't do that, uh, they're probably on the road for the second weekend of the tournament, not the first. They'll be home for the first weekend. But they're going to be, uh, whether, wherever they go, they're going to be a really miserable team to play in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Absolutely agree with you. You could you could still have a good offensive day and lose to them because they're going to slow things yeah. down so much. It's 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 shocking. I think I was also surprised that, that Bowden has struggled, would, would struggle in a game like that, does anybody get? Can anybody dictate their own tempo against Amherst? Do you think is that physically possible? You know, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I so I've seen Amherst play. Oh, I don't even know now. Maybe half a dozen times this year. I've seen the bunch. Um, and Widener tried to push tempo against them, and Amherst was hitting their threes, and so that that mm. that game was over within about ten minutes. Um, I think you. I think you. If you can. I don't think so, because I think Gramacki has got them so disciplined that they're going to slow down uh, unless they're having one of those nights where they're not missing anything. And if they're not missing anything, sure, you want to run up and down the court with us, that's fine. They're still going to make they're still going to make more than you are. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I think the way you got to beat them um, is, is is two ways. You either have to have a night where all the other players except for Fox and Eck uh, don't shoot well. That's what happened against. Uh, Hamilton, or you have to have a night 
um, where you just kind of scratch one out against them, which is what Tufts did. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're a much more offensively limited team this year than they've been in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, defensively, they're, they're as good as they've always been. Uh, I almost chuckle at last year's tournament, uh, or not tournament, the Vegas uh, D3Hoops.com Classic, when they played uh, who was playing the system. And and basically, GP told the team, hey, we're throwing everything out. We're playing different tonight. Oh, Westfield State. Westfield State. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to go up-tempo. And even the team had troubles understanding that. And they did. They they went absolute gangbusters. But yeah. that's one game in how many years that they've gone yeah. outside of their system? And they still won. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know, their talent is still very, very good. Um, they're going to be uh, they're, they're going to be a tough. They're going to be a handful in the tournament, like they always are. Um, they know that their margin for error in terms of hosting all the way through, which is the prize that the NESCAP teams have, that realistically nobody else in the NCAA does. That if you win the conference yeah. um, and you have a strong enough record, uh, you don't even necessarily have to win the conference tournament. Although it certainly doesn't help. You're home for the first. You know, the, you're home for good. Yeah. Um, Tufts is in a situation where they are realistically speaking going to play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games in a row at home. Wow. Their last four of the regular season, the three in the tournament, in the conference tournament, and then if then obviously they have to win all these games, but two in the first round, uh, two in the first weekend, two in the second. Weekend. Yeah. And you know if you're Loris or Wartburg or Whitman, and you're and you know you're on the road. That uh, it's got to, it's got to sting a little when you hear that. Yeah, no, uh, and this has happened in the past. Amherst had a weird where they played every single one of their games, including the two tough um, conference games at home. Uh, at least this year, Tufts played Bowden and Amherst both on the road. Yeah, I think it was like two. It wasn't that. I don't remember. I yeah, remember a handful they, of years ago. Yeah, yeah, they went through. They they had something like fifteen straight at the end of the year. It was just a yeah. wacky little schedule. Um, I'm kind of curious. I want to leave it open at this point. What is what about in the game right now? As we head in towards the first regional rankings, the last few weeks of the season, what is it about women's basketball that's been intriguing you so far? Well, I think I think that the, the two regions that are really um, going to have interesting rankings. Uh, one is the uh, one is the the Great Lakes, and the other is South. Mm. In the South, you have a bunch of teams all clustered with four losses, including three in the same conference. So you have Texas, Dallas, Harden, Simmons, and Mary Harden Baylor, uh, and East Texas Baptist is only half a game back. And then you've got Trinity and Austin, and these teams have all played each other, including across conference. And it will be interesting to see how they sort them out um, mm. because there's not a clear cut. Uh, you know, the situation where one team is on top of everybody. Um, I don't know. I, you know, you, you have, you have, you get a lot of these weird triangles where Austin beat Texas, Dallas, who beat Mary Harden Baylor, who beat Harden Simmons, who lost to, you know, whoever's at the front of that triangle. So, or whatever it is. Right. So that'll be an interesting one to see how they sort that out. Cause remember the South region is the, is the region that's gone the longest without a final four participant. Um, so mm. whoever ends up at the top of that pile, gets to host the first weekend, second weekend, it'll, it'll all depend on, on geography. Yeah. And then the other one um, that really could set the table for a team to host all the way to Columbus is the Great Lakes. You're, I, I, you're going to have home first, um, and they're going to stay first, I think. But then you have Baldwin, Wallace, and DePauw, 
Um, I would guess DePaul goes first in front of Baldwin Wallace, but I don't know. I don't know how Transylvania figures into that. They only have one loss. Um, and so those teams, uh, again, will be, be concentrated. I think Hope is the number one team in that region until they lose, you know, deservedly so. But if you had a situation where Hope lost to Trine, uh, uh-huh. and you had Hope with one loss, Transylvania with one loss, DePaul with one loss, and Baldwin Wallace with two losses, <laughs> Um, or if John Carroll beat Baldwin Wallace, John Carroll with two losses, True. then you'd have, uh, you have again, a bunch of teams packed very tightly together. Yeah. And then the Great Lakes has shown in the last few years to be crazy. And the committee's had to do some, you know, interesting things. I think last year we finally figured out too, how, you know, those regional rankings were big because that second round we had, you know, a big matchup and it was all because yeah. on schedules and such. Yeah. I remember talking to, to Andy Rang, the, uh, the head coach of trying, and he said, you know, it, I wish that we had in that tournament against uh, where they lost to Transylvania, which is really was yeah. a, a game that was kind of completely off the radar because it happened over the holidays and you know both teams were good, but nobody was worrying about where they were going to be seeding the tournament on December, whatever it was. And he said, you know, if we had played another team, I, I, he said, actually, we should have lost our first game, whoever it was to. Because uh, if we had lost that game, we would have won the second against whoever the consolation team was, oh. and I would have avoided Transylvania. Oh. I, 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 we were actually punished for losing, for winning our first game, because that set me up to play Transylvania, and we had no idea that that would be that would be the thing that determined who got to play Thomas Moore in the second round. It's kind of crazy how little things like that can. Yeah, wow, uh, that's a different way of looking at it. Now, now he'll overthink those. Everybody will overthink their tournaments from now on. Yeah. Uh, you I don't they, know that you'll see too many people throwing, you know, potentially losing games. No, but that was no. that was the that was the interesting conclusion that he had drawn from all of that. No, that's an that's a good one. I like that point though. Um, all right, so when I have Ryan and Bob on, nor, most weeks, not all, but most weeks, we have a, a debatable team, a deep dive team, and a dubious. I'm not going to give a debatable because no one wants to hear my point of view necessarily. But <laughs> I am kind of curious. If if I were to put you on the spot, a dubious team, meaning a team that is ranked in the top 25, maybe a little too high, or whatever the case may be, uh, how would who would your choice be and why? So I've been, uh, whether it's behind the poll or however you want to think of it, I have uh, I have been voting for Transylvania much later and much lower than everybody else. I, I had the pioneers off my ballot all year until last week. Wow. I think I have I think I have the twenty fifth now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and they're they're seventh and you're being you know, outweighed I, heavily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, so, and it, it's not you know, I, I it, it's not a matter where there's five people who have them number two. That's not what's happening. <laughs> it, they are clustered around the boats are all clustered around where they are for the most part. Um, I, I just don't know what to make of them. Um, they were kind of physically overwhelmed by Thomas Moore last year in a year where everybody was. Uh, their loss is an okay loss, but it's not, um, you know, it, it, it's Maryville of, of Tennessee is yeah. probably not making the tournament. And the conference as a whole is not that good this year. Rose Holman, who's been pretty good in the past, is, I don't know if they're winless, but they're pretty close. Um, and you know Hanover and Franklin. If you look at their non-conference schedule, there's 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 nothing much there, and so that's it. You know Bluffton's down, Rose Holman's down. Transylvania really didn't play anybody in the non-conference season, and you know I think their best win is I don't know Berea or something like that, and that's that's it. Uh, and they're a team that started high because they returned most of their players, 
and uh, lost that game to Maryville early enough where a bunch of teams are taking loss and haven't lost since. Now, um, you know, Ashton Woodard is a really good player. Uh, Julie Folks is a really good coach. So is it possible they're one of the top 15 teams in the country? I guess so. I, I just I don't see anything on the resume that tells me they are. You know, I did a quick check of uh, the two different measures of strength of schedule. Uh, Massey has them 30th, so hmm. has them not far from where I have them. Uh, and the NCAA strength of schedule has them 225th. They're forced. They're five slots behind Delaware Valley, who I cover, who's one and nineteen, yeah, you know and they are well. one slot in front of Goucher. Hey, <laughs> how about appropriate? So you, now obviously, <laughs> the winning percentages are very, very different. Yes, um, but Goucher and Delaware Valley University are not the company you want to keep no. trying to get the NCAA tournament. No, so, no. Um, so I, I think I think they're dubious. That said. Um, yeah, they could win the first two weekends, and if if they lose in the Sweet 16, or they, uh, you know, they probably finish right about where they are. Um, I, I don't see them losing anymore this year. I really don't. No, they've, no. they've handled their conference, um, you know, masterfully. They're going to play in the in the HCAC tournament. They're going to get all those games at home, uh, and there's you know, there's no reason at whatever they would be then 27 and one or whatever right, it would right. be. There's no reason they shouldn't host at oh, least for the first two weekends. Absolutely, you know, and the grand the SOS numbers going to make the second weekend a little bit more interesting. They may not be right. top in the region, as you indicated earlier, but um, yeah. you're right. And the, and the conference hasn't been as competitive as it has been in years past. Rose Holman hasn't been there and, and the like. But, no, I, I was curious who you would pick, uh, and I, I find it appropriate that you, you, you found Del Val and Goucher there, sir. Uh, <laughs> not, not on purpose. No, no, I know. <laughs> no, but I did find it. I found it appropriate. Yeah, um, your eyes are drawn to when you, when you see 225th, your eyes are drawn to the teams around them. Right. I, I How can I compare this? I who they landed between. I agree. I think that's awesome. Um, <laughs> my curiosity is, at Bethel losing to St. Mary's, big upset, uh, a huge. I, I tag yeah. it as one of the biggest in-season upsets, at least in recent yeah. history. And we don't get a lot of tournament upsets, so it may just go down, period, as one of the bigger upsets in recent right. history, but is it is it too quick to automatically then say, well, Bethel must be overrated too? You know, I really don't know what to make of it. Bethel, when I, um, you know, I, I thought Bethel's numbers would be pretty good in terms of strength and schedule because the the Miak and the Mayak and a whole has had so many teams ranked for so long. Um, but coming into this weekend, they were. Uh, they were even farther. They were they were down in the Transylvania territory in terms of strength of schedule. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that's a byproduct of those teams all playing each other. Yeah, and and Bethel in the very weird unbalanced schedule still is where it's February 9th. They still haven't played St. Thomas yet. They played Gustavus. They've played Augsburg. Um, they'll play. I think they play Gustavus, Augsburg, and St. Thomas all in a row now. Uh, but they haven't played St. Thomas yet. And so we'll see. We'll learn very quickly whether yes. they're uh, whether they're for real or not. If they go zero and three, then you know they're they're not the, obviously a top ten team. Sure. Um, I think they're you know, they remind me a lot of Tufts at a slower speed. Uh, okay. They 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 have a good size. Katie Anderson's very good. They get into passing lanes, and if you're a team that's sloppy with the ball, they're going to force you know twenty five plus turnovers on you, and they're going to beat you by twenty. Uh, but they're not they're not real fast. Uh, they've got some athleticism on the outside, but they're not real quick. Again, uh, obviously, I have, I have an East Coast frame of reference here and, and covering 
you know, the, the national championship at NESCAC frame of reference. But again, they reminded me of, uh, of a, of a top set of slower speed. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that's still could be pretty good. I'm very interested to see what the voters do with them tomorrow. Um, because that's a terrible loss. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's no good way to, there's nope. no nice way to put it. No. Uh, St. Mary's was two and 18. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's an awful loss. And, uh, uh, Coucher has more where, wins than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's in, in a week where, um, you know, Bowden lost as well. I think the rest of the top 10 was, was unscathed. That's going to stand out and, uh, we'll see what the voters do with them. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, knowing that they've got a bunch of big games, you know, I, I don't know if you, if, if there could be a trap game. I don't know that that happens too often in Division Three because the games are so spaced out. Uh, but maybe that's what happened. Maybe they yeah. were so focused on their next three games that uh, they just really uh, played poorly in this one. Fair. Uh, so if I were to say uh, the flip of the dubious side, we're talking yeah. um, deep dive, a team that's maybe deserves a little bit more recognition or maybe some more top twenty-five votes, whether they're getting any. Uh, at all, or they're getting very few. Who who would you pick? So this one I'm pretty attuned to because we we distribute the pool every week. Um, I always add a few teams to the ballot and say, hey, you know, look at these teams, think about them as well, because this is the time of the year, especially on the women's side, where the number of teams receiving votes gets really low. Yes, you know? I mean we're down to just a handful of teams receiving votes, and if you if you drop 12. the teams that have one one vote each, you know, who are almost oh, margin of error, yeah. You've got maybe six other teams in the top 25, and and yeah. a bunch of the teams are are getting votes in the top 25, and a bunch of the teams that lost are going to get no votes. So you know, lacrosse is going to go from whatever they have to no votes, probably, yeah. uh, or, or pretty close. So I, I really don't want 25 teams with nobody and getting with with uh, complete agreement on all 25. <laughs> That'd be a little so, weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the teams that I had put out there for team, for folks to think about, two teams that lost a bunch of games before Thanksgiving hmm. and have lost only one game since. Uh, so one is, uh, one is Haverford. They lost, yeah. uh, they lost a Catholic, which is not a bad loss. And they lost a gross game to Marymount in the battle of two teams who want to beat you 40, 40 to 39. <laughs> yes. And the final score was 41 to 33. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and since then, um, they lost to Gettysburg in the in the first game, and then they beat Gettysburg. Yeah. Yesterday. So, for anybody who has Gettysburg in the top twenty, uh, uh, Haverford should probably not be that far off for them. Fair point. But they slipped off the ballot because they lost two games before Thanksgiving, and you know their non-conference schedule was not strong enough to to push them up into that sure. conversation. Yeah. Well, you saw Haverford. What do you think? I thought they were a good team. Uh, yeah. They had to fight back. Um, against a, at the time very stubborn McDaniel team and McDaniel's better than its record to be blunt but they're a new yeah. coach and, and and a young team and they're still trying to figure themselves out but they fought back and and, and then blew out St. Uh, McDaniel in the overtime I thought Bobby I, my thought was oh Bobby's off the committee and she's got a team that to be reckoned with um yeah. so yeah that was my opinion when I saw him I thought I thought she has a really good team on her hands and the other team that um, you know, I'm pretty confident will get votes this week because they'll be uh, they'll probably be on my ballot, which make it make it easier to easier to guarantee uh, is Christopher Newport, who draw, who lost hmm. three games early on, yeah. including a bizarre uh, uh, drop. They, I think they lost to Meredith and William Peace. Yeah, no, uh, very strange. Before Thanksgiving, uh, and their only loss since then was a close loss to Tuff at Stevens, and they've run through their conference, Good which point. has some 
some solid teams in that conference. Too. Mary Washington's not bad. Southern Virginia yeah. is hard to play because of Garrish. Uh, undefeated. Uh, beat York yesterday. Uh, have won a bunch of games in a row. And, uh, you know, this is a time of year where Broderick's chaos defense, mm. those are two teams for entirely different de- reasons that you don't want to play in the tournament. Haverford because of their defense and because they're going to try, they're talking about slowing the game down. They're really going to slow it down. And Christopher Newport for exactly the opposite reason, because they're going to try and force 35 turnovers, oh. shoot 35 threes if they can. They're going to get uh, in the face. And if they're hot, you know, they're almost unbeatable. So those are the two teams that I, I think fell off the radar, deservedly so. Uh, but now that some of these teams, you know, particularly in the central part of the country, I don't know. I don't know that we're going to have a UAA team ranked. Uh, I don't think you know Chicago's not going to lose all their votes, but I don't know that they're going to stay in the top twenty-five. Good point. Emory Emory's chance to stay uh, to get votes disappeared when they lost to Washington for the second time in uh, whatever it was eight days. Uh, and you know NYU not likely to draw a vote. So um, you know those those we have nobody ranked, nobody even receiving votes uh, in the CCIW. And uh, I think we may be headed the same way in the um, uh, in the UAA, and so you got to vote for somebody. <laughs> yeah, no good point. And uh, those are those are the teams. The other ones that I threw on the ballot, if folks were curious, just for folks to consider, Eastern Connecticut uh, was one. The uh, City New Paltz was one. Um, not because I think these teams are you know, top ten in the country, but if you're looking at your ballot and you know you've dropped off lacrosse and maybe you dropped yeah. off Emory, if they were still on there and you're gone. All right, I need to find a, a 25th or a 24th team, yeah. um, you know, rather than just default to whoever's in your region or the best team in your conference or whatever. Give folks something to think about. No, that's a good point. I, I like that thought. Uh, by the way, William Peace, 20 and three, granted, lost to Averett this weekend, 80 to 68. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you kind of yeah. feel like, oh, darn it all, just you know. But Averett's 16 and seven, but still, William Peace is 20 and three. So that Christopher Newport loss doesn't look horrible. It's the Meredith one, but it seems like everybody's got one of those. Uh, yeah. The, GP Gromacki had that comment at Vegas. He says, we're getting a little more parity in women's basketball now. You can have an off night in a, in a good team, not a great team, but a good team can have a great night and knock you off. Yeah. And I, you know, with, with, with Christopher Newport, because they play at such a frantic style, um, when they're off, it's ugly. I mean, they're yeah. the ones who turn, over, turn the ball over 35 times. That's true. And, uh, but they have, uh, they graduated from, 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 Long-time players last year. Uh, they got some youth. Um, you know, I, I think they probably, well, I don't know. It's always hard to tell who's got an at-large good chance. But, um, you know, let's assume they win the, the CAC. They'll be on the road somewhere, and they will, uh, they'll not, they will not be fun to play. No, no, they won't. Uh, they are always a challenge. Even if you get past them, you feel like you're winded. And not because of the Grinnell reason, because uh, their defense yeah. is just insane. Um, I, I, I would love to watch practice, uh, just to yeah, see them. That's a pretty intense dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, sir, I appreciate the time. I really do. Um, great to give us your insight. I know we'll get you on before the end of the season. One or two more times, maybe if you have time allotted, I know you're a busy man, but I appreciate it. Uh, any other thoughts before we let you go? Well, looking forward to the regional rankings and we're, uh, we're pretty much in the home stretch now. You know, we'll, uh, Regional rankings and then in conference tournament, and uh, uh, I, I think we have, I think we're going to have a very, uh, a very fun tournament. The last few years, 
it's been the final four teams have been ranked one, two, three, you know, one, two, three, five, or one, two, four, five. Or, you know, it's basically been chalk. Yeah. Uh, I think this year you're going to see uh, whether it's because teams like Amherst are going to end or Christopher Newport are going to end up on the road, mm. uh, or, or, or some of these other teams I think are, are vulnerable. I think you've got a chance to, uh, to see some different teams in the final four, uh, even if that means some empty gyms on this <laughs> in the yeah. Elite Eight when two teams from a neutral side are playing each other. Yeah, I, I, but it would be more fun. It would certainly keep things a little bit more interesting for the rest of us. Yeah. So I'll look forward. Well, thanks for the time. As I said, really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and take care of yourself. Sounds good. Take care, Dave. Awesome. Gordon Mann joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Um, we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I'll give you a quick sense of the men's basketball top 25 from my vantage point. And uh, we will also talk about those regional rankings coming up. I got a question from Michael, for example. He says, does uh, margin of victory matter or is it win? Oh, is a win a win? Does Swarthmore need to win by more or just keep winning? Michael, are you talking top 25 or are you talking regional rankings? Because I'll be honest, I think it depends. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Um, we'll take a quick break. Like I said, come back. We'll talk men's top 25. I'll just give you a brief sense, not as detailed as, as, uh, Gordon there, but maybe a sense of what might happen with the top 25. And then we'll dive in quickly to premier you for the regional rankings that you come out on Wednesday for the first time. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More hoops left of this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. 
so now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here um, on this Thursday. In a little bit of overtime here as we wrap up the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on our Facebook um, simulcast, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, for those who keep asking us about YouTube, we are trying to get back on the air on YouTube. Uh, we had a copyright claim that best that I can tell, bogus. Um, so as this new system on YouTube, it's been around for about a year now, if you get a legitimate, and I'm using that in quotation marks, legitimate uh, copyright claim, they put a strike up, and then you're restricted from live streaming and some other things for a week. And then after that week, um, you're, you're back up. You still have to strike for a period of time. I think it's 90 days. Um, and basically, you can't have three strikes. And But you can stream. Well, it's been over two weeks since we got that thing triggered. We don't know why we're not able to live stream. And, and and I went to Twitter today to ask YouTube because, you know, there's no one you can call uh, with them. So hopefully we'll get a little simulcasting there again. But I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology um, for not only the sponsorship of the hotline, but, of course, the, the streaming platform, which includes the OTT. We should point that out as well. Um, the OTT allows us to stream on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, Amazon Fire. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for that. If you would like to stream through, um, by the way, it's a Team One Sports app, we should point out. Um, if you want to find a new streaming partner or you want to find a, a new way to stream, you don't even have to use them for streaming. Uh, for example, the Blue Frame Technology um, production truck, which I use extensively, um, give them a call. Go to their website, blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Tell them I sent you, by the way. Now, let them know that, that, that you heard it on this show. Um, let's see here. I'll still have to wait for the book. Asking St. Norbert earlier about the uh, reason for the delay. I was under the impression they were going in men's bas or in athletics to the NACC next academic year, 2021. 
And I was told it was a long story. I said, oh, I'd love to hear about that. And I'm just told it's, i got to wait for the book. Darn it all. I, gotta, I hate waiting for the book. All right. So let's talk top 25. Uh, Michael Jones, I see your question. I will get to it, sir. No worries. Uh, we talked women's top 25. I'm, I'm only going to go over the men's top 25 quickly because I do want to talk about regional rankings. On the men's side, I don't see the top five changing. Um, Emery losing to Chicago but beating Wash U is going to give um, a lot of voters pause. I think they're going to end up moving Emory down a little bit. Nebraska Wesleyan probably moves up as a result. Elmer's is going to tumble a bit here. Bad week. Lost to Carthage and North Central. At worst, if they'd gone one and one and lost to North Central, I think it's not the end of the world, but they're going to take a hit. Uh, North Central's 17th and, and Carthage is out of the poll. So Elmer's is going to tumble. Colby will fall a little bit more because now they've lost two out of three. Wash U, I don't know what the voters do with that. Good win over Rochester but couldn't get past Emory the second time around. Granted, back-to-back weeks, they may give it a benefit of the doubt, being a Sunday game, benefit of the doubt, et cetera, et cetera. But Emory losing to Chicago is going to affect Wash U. Uh, then the rest of the way is pretty good. Lacrosse going to tumble out of the pole uh, with two losses this week to Platteville and Oshkosh. Center's going to tumble out of the pole. Uh, even I'm probably not going to be able to justify voting, probably for either of them, to be blunt. Albion's probably going to come out of the pole losing to Alma. Brandeis is going to come out of the poll, losing to Case Western. Who comes in? I think St. Joseph's of Connecticut jumps in. I think now we'll see St. Norbert enter the poll. Whitman was in a position to enter, but they lost to Lewis and Clark. Same with Christopher Newport, but they lost. I think Benedictine maybe even enters the poll. Uh, Everybody else, I think, stays out for the most part uh, after that. So there's your brief synopsis on what I think the top 25 will look like. Poll will come out tomorrow evening, men and women, so be on the lookout for that. All right, let's talk regional rankings. Uh, first off, regional rankings come out on Wednesday for the first time. Um, you get three pu- regional rankings before we get to the end of the regular season and selections and bracketing takes place. The final, final regional rankings will come out after that bracket is announced. Uh, I am happy to announce, by the way, that I will be once again back uh, at the helm, as it were, here in the studios for those bracket uh, reveal shows for the NCAA I'll leave it as a secret for now just because I think it's a more fun that way, but you'll enjoy who the person is on the other side of the uh, gla- uh, on the other side of the camera with me for that show. Put it this way, the gentleman certainly knows how to say Division three names. We shouldn't have a problem with that with men's and women's basketball this year. All, all, all jokes aside, my friend, uh, friends who have done it with me, they do a very good job, but this guy has no excuse. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so looking forward to um, that. That Of course, May March 1st is our final day. March 2nd is when the brackets come out. So Wednesday, we get our first regional rankings. The second one will come out the following Wednesday. And now there's something i got to look into. On the men's side, they will be coming out on Tuesday, February 25th. That's your third regional rankings. Here's what I am told from um, the committee. They want to try something new in moving them up to, one, give committee members who are coaches a little bit more time to uh, to prep for their game, conference games, whether it be Tuesday or Wednesday, in tournaments. Um, by the way, this means racks will, instead meet, instead of meeting on Tuesdays, they'll meet on Mondays. We should point out, racks meet Tuesdays, national committee meets Wednesday, and Wednesday afternoon is when the rankings are traditionally sent out. This The last week it'll mean rankings will... Uh, Racks will meet on Monday, National Committee on Tuesday, rankings will come out Tuesday evening. 
Now, according to the manual, the women will still do it on Wednesday. I will be checking into that. We'll talk more about that when we get down the road. Remember that there's primary criteria and secondary criteria. If you missed the interviews with Karen and with Sam, Karen Harvey of uh, Montclair State on the women's side, Sam Atkinson with Gallaudet on the men's side, go back to the uh, marathon show that we had, and you can go listen to all that. Um, but remember that there's there's certain guidelines that they have to use. It's all data-driven um, for primary and secondary criteria. For the primary criteria, it's win-loss percentage. It's strength of schedule. It is results versus common Division three opponents. So if they're comparing two, three, or four teams, did they play anybody common? Um, there is um, head-to-head. So not only common, but head-to-head. Uh, and then there's also the Division three. let's see, uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents. So there's win-loss percentage against Division three opponents, Division three opponents, win-loss percentage against Division three opponents. And more importantly, they have to be in region. They have to count in region. Uh, Division three head-to-head competition, results versus Division three common opponents, results versus Division three ranked opponents, and Division three strength of schedule. Those are the five. Technically, there's a nullification law. Don't worry about it. The uh, secondary criteria does allow them to dip into non-Division three win-loss, results versus common non-Division three opponents, and Division three non-conference SOS. That's secondary criteria. So in other words, if they're, if they're really stuck, they could go to the non-conference SOS and go, well, this team has got an SOS of non-conference of 550, and this other team's got a 480. This team clearly went out there and tried to schedule a better schedule. Their conference is dragging them down. This other team didn't make that effort. We may give the nod to the team who's got a better schedule. Um, all right, with that in mind, remember that results versus regionally ranked opponents is not a factor in the first regional rankings. It's not. They can't create it. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how, well, they do mock rankings, and we've talked about how they do mock rankings. Those mock rankings are just mock rankings. They will have no ramification on the first week. And no, just because they rank them in a certain way in those first in that opening week does not mean that um that that that, that they're ranked for the for for, for what I'm trying to say is if they do a mock, those standings don't have any effect on the first week. It's a it's a clean slate, nothing's happened. There's also no effort made that they rank. Then they come up with what's the results versus regionally ranked and then re-rank that first week. If you did, we'd go into a vicious cycle. Um, that's not how it works. So in the first week, the data of results versus regionally ranked opponents is not there. It's not part of the rankings. It will be an empty uh, data seat field. And it's not part of the criteria that they're looking at. So as a result, we tend to get very different rankings in week one and week two based on that. Also remember, once ranked, always ranked doesn't technically exist. We'll talk about this further down the road. But after the first week's rankings, once we get to week two, essentially the first week's done. It's 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 never going to become a factor again. Uh, week two does base on week, week one because of results versus regionally ranked opponents. But week three is based on week two. Okay, so after we're done with week two, week one is in the history uh, and, and, and long and gone. By the way, every rankings, they start from a clean slate. They don't start with, okay, here's who we had one through eight. Where do we go now? 
They wipe it clean, start all over. So there you go. Real quick synopsis. Michael was asking me, does the margin of victory matter or is it win a win? Does Swarthmore need to win more, buy more, or keep winning? Uh, I asked him if it was top 25 or regional rankings. He said, both, really. I think a loss might be a good thing in the long run, would remove some of the pressure trying to stay unbeaten. I'm actually with you on that. I don't think a loss would be a bad thing for Swarthmore. I do think, for example, if they lose to Hopkins on Wednesday, it lights a fire on them, gets them a little bit more focused, moves them forward. One of the reasons I removed my first place vote this year, or uh, last week, and I'll keep it that way at this point, though they'll move up. Um, no, they won't. They'll, they'll stay where I have them at third. Uh, was because I felt that maybe they weren't clicking on all cylinders, that things weren't working well. Now, Somebody joked because they had a strong win on 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 Saturday that maybe I lit a fire under him. Listen, if I lit a fire under him, so be it. It doesn't really matter. I'm not the be all end all in that. But I'm one of four voters who decided to move our first place votes. I'm one of the three who went to St. John's. And I think there's something to be said that Swarthmore is just not clicking right now like they norm like we expect them to. Um, and a loss would help them. That said, in the top 25, I think. I think voters do look at, at margin of victory and go, okay. And they'll look at the, they'll look at, um, um, you know, the entire game. For example, I know that, that Swarthmore absolutely steamrolled McDaniel in their game, but that was a second half result. The first half was not that. The first half was, was, that was not the story. Um, so I do think that voters may look at that. As far as regional rankings, it's not a factor. There is no margin of victory as a factor in regional rankings. A win is a win is a win. I can't say that being human, um, coaches won't look at the difference in a score, especially when they look at common opponents or head-to-head, and use that as a factor. I'm not going to say that at all. Uh, I think it's natural to have that in your head. But overall, no, I, it's, not, it's not a criteria. It's not part of the SOS either. The SOS is strictly about the strength of your schedule, not the strength of your wins. SOS has nothing to do with wins and losses. And hint, hint, on Thursday, we're going to bring in um, math whiz Matt Snyder to talk about that SOS, why it's a bit flawed, uh, in his opinion, and why it's maybe being misunderstood and then he and I can debate about maybe it's being used improperly. Uh, I think he and I are actually closer together on it. Uh, I think we both agree on how it should be used, but I feel like it's been used a little bit too heavy-handed in recent years. Um, so I hope that answers your question. If you got another one, Michael, send your way. Send me, send it my way. So regional rankings come out on Wednesday. Be be aware they're going to be they they may be delayed. Uh, they never get on the air immediately or get, you know, sometimes the first rankings, first off, there's a lot of work to get the racks up to speed, get everything set. Then the National Committee really gets its first tackle at it. There's been years we don't see it till four o'clock in the afternoon. There's some years um, we've seen it as early as one thirty Eastern time. So be be flexible. Um and then usually it speeds up, and sometimes it has nothing to do with the committees. It has everything to do with those, excuse me, who run the website for NCAA.com down in Atlanta at the Turner web, at the Turner headquarters. So there's kind of just an idea. So regional rankings come out again. Your win loss percentage in Division Three, your non Division Three games mean diddly, diddly. Uh, it's great that you went and played 
uh, a D2 team and maybe beat them, or a D1 team and maybe beat them, or barely lost to a D1 or a D2 team, but it won't mean diddly in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so you're, and then it's, and, and really, not many schools have a problem with this, but there is a little bit of a, a misnomer. You have to play a certain percentage of your games in region, or they won't count in region either, uh, and thus won't count for your primary D3 schedule. But um, most most teams cover that with their conference. It's it's pretty, uh, and really regional games are, are a very wide open definition now that it's it's pretty easily done. Every once in a while, you'll you'll find a loophole on that. Um, and, and by the way, I know a lot of West schools are 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 handicapped by the fact that they go and play non Division three opponents, and, and those games don't count. Here's the deal: I also know a lot of schools on the West Coast who do play a full Division three schedule. So I don't tend to subscribe to the oh they're being um, disadvantaged because they aren't playing a full Division three schedule because they can't because their neighbors are. Um, and yep, it's a conversation I'm sure about money, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, your SOS is important. Uh, the, the men's SOS, we have, we linked to Matt Snyder's, um, data on the women's side. I don't think the link's up now, but it will be. We linked to the, be able to do the data. The men SOS has a weighted side to it. So it has a multiplier for home or away games. Women do not have that multiplier. And so the numbers can be a little bit different. Uh, again, results versus regionally ranked opponents will not be a factor this week, which is sometimes why the rankings not only will look a little bit weirder than some people expect, but more importantly, will look very different week two, even if everybody wins. And then um, head-to-head is a big factor. I think people discount that too much. And common opponents, and by the way, it's not Team A and Team B looking at each other. There's a lot of times committee members tell me they're looking at Team A, B, C, and D. So there you go. Those are regional rankings. They're all coming up this week, and we hope you gave you a little bit of a primer on what to expect from it coming up. Um, I don't see any other questions off the system, so I think we'll, we'll sign it off from there. Thursday, and then for the next few weeks, we're going to do a little bit of a different thing. We're not going to always talk to coaches or student-athletes. We, we want to get a few student-athletes on our air here in the closing weeks as well. We're going to talk to a few um, individuals to dive deeper into things. Uh, I said about Matt Snyder coming on, talking about the SOS and its math, uh, and a little bit of we'll trying not to go in the weeds on it, but give you a better sense of what it is and why he feels the NCA has somehow screwed up the math. I'm putting, I'm putting a little bit of words in his mouth, but he's been on this, I think, since 2013. I could be wrong on the date. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll discuss with him about that. Uh, also want to talk about officiating in Division Three. The, the, um, there's a big push behind it especially behind the commissioner's group in Division Three, So we're going to talk about that. And also coming up soon, we'll be talking about the new regions that are coming out. That should, oh, ooh, now that I think about it, um, Championships Committee, I think, met already. And so we'll double-check on what they ruled. I believe it's 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 a, um, excuse me, it's, it's standard. You know, I'm going to do this while I'm on air with you folks. Check this. Uh, I, I, it's a rubber stamp in my opinion through the championships committee up, but I could be wrong. So we're going to double check it here. Um, nope, nothing new that I can see. So we'll have to wait. I'll, I'll double check. Nothing on the press releases is what I mean. So we'll double check what the championships committee ruled. We'll have more information. What the new regions expanded, et cetera, redesigned will look like in a couple of years, not set, 
but we'll discuss the whole process behind it. So a few different interviews coming up in the next few weeks as we move towards the end of the regular season. Some interesting topics, I think, which means we may not be able to talk to some of the programs out there that you might expect us to. We'll do our best to rotate through. We still have the WBCA Center Court to come up on Thursday. So Thursday's show is going to be very different. We have a couple different topics we want to get at, but we're looking forward to it. Um, a quick schedule change. Next Sunday, my schedule has changed. We're going to have to push the show to Monday. Uh, I have an opportunity that work-wise, um, in two shows, we haven't raised the donation tab up here in the corner any higher than where it sat um, a couple days after the marathon. So I need to keep working elsewhere. So I have a job opportunity I'm taking advantage on Sunday. So I'm working all day Sunday. So we're pushing the show next Sunday to Monday. It will be an evening show. Unlike last Thursday's, which was a daytime show, we will be moving February 16th show to the 17th. It will be a 7 o'clock Eastern time show. That's President's Day. Um, and then a reminder, in in three weeks' time, March 1st, we will be doing uh, our selection show. We'll start earlier and go later. There you go. Make all the sense in the world, right, folks? And with that, I think we're going to wrap things up because I don't see any other questions, and we've already gone over a half hour on this show. I didn't mean to go that long, and, and I want to get going. Also, I have a top 25 to vote in myself. So with that in mind, I want to thank uh, Coach Nicole Chazar at uh, Western New England. I want to thank uh, Terry Butterfield at, um, at te Texas Dallas. Incredible story there, folks. I don't want to thank, um, my brain's just going blank, Gary Gresh at St. Norbert, and of course Gordon Mann uh, for coming on the show. I also want to thank the SIDs. I want to thank Dan Lukes at uh, St. Norbert. I want to thank, uh, who, who, who was it? Oh, Dave Wester, of course, at, at Texas Dallas. And I want to thank really a grad assistant in, in um, uh, who is it? I apologize. Uh Nick Ro Roemi, Nick Romeo, Romy, Nick. I'm not sure if I'm saying your last name right. I apologize. But Nick's the grad assistant at Western New England. They don't have a, a sports information director in place right now. want to thank Nick for his time and helping us get uh, Coach uh, Chazar on the show. Really appreciate that. I know there's a lot on his plate as a grad assistant that he probably wasn't expecting to be on his plate. Uh, so I really appreciate him taking the time. Um and helping us out, especially last minute when we got out the request yesterday. Uh, and with that, we wrap up the show. Uh, top 25s come out again tomorrow evening um, in men's and women's uh, basketball. And, of course, then we move on to the regional rankings on Wednesday. We'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll at least talk SOS with a couple other nuggets along the way this season. Sunday show will move to Monday. I apologize to all you Sunday fans. And there you go. Wrapped it up all in a nutshell. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com and, of course, at the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association as well. Also want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their help. Also want to thank all of you fans, not only those who have donated. Uh, we're at 2,300 plus, and our goal is 5,000 by, and actually you want to change that to February 17th. That's our goal for a week from now. We want to, we want to hit our, our goal. Then we're going to double our goal. Well, not going to double it, but we're going to increase our goal for, goal for the last, um, date of the year. It's going to go up anyway. So you got your work to do. Uh, but I want to thank all of you who've donated to the show and to let us do it even longer and moving forward. I want to thank everyone for their support. You've been listening to Hoop Soap, the only show uh, of its kind covering Division Three basketball around the world. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch or listen to Hoop Soap. 
presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll see you back here Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Good night, everybody.